0: Hey gang, I'm Waverly, and this is the Dreadful Diaries. So gang, season four, volume two of Stranger Things came out today, and I'm super excited. But I figured I'd actually do my job and give you guys the second part of Chris Benoit. So, I have Brett here with me. Like I said, I was going to have join me on the second part here, so that he could give his expertise on all of his useless knowledge on wrestling. Yes. <laughs> Say hi. Hello. <laughs> he didn't want to be a part of my intro,
1: because he's lame. That's and rude, but that, that's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: No fun. So, I had to do the intro by myself, but that's, that's cool. So he's going to help me. Uh, Last episode, we left off part one of Chris Benoit right before we really even got into it. I kind of just gave you a very short episode. Really just a little intro with me and the girls so we could give you some entertainment because this is going to get pretty serious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For sure. Definitely. Definitely. And, uh, just to give us some opportunity to crack jokes in the beginning, um, and get off topic before me and Brett really get serious in this case, um, because it's about to get very sad, emotional, tragic, and overall dreadful in part two. Uh, so again, in part one, we covered Benoit's early life and his early obsession with wrestling and his idol Dynamite Kid. I skimmed over pretty quickly the years that he was with each wrestling association, um, and, like, skimmed over which years he was a part of which one. Mm-hmm. Steph realized that she mixed Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels up. <laughs> Fun time. Yeah,
1: I was listening to that, and I was just like, mm-mm, no. There's, like, a thing I do where, like, if somebody says, like, the wrong word, or somebody will say something, like, like wrong or whatever, like, I will instantly flame them for doing that, and that was, like, probably peak levels of that. Like, you, the funny thing is, though, she mixed up the two people that, like, literally hate each other's guts, too. That was the funny thing. <laughs> like, Breitbart actually, like, actually hates, like, Shawn Michaels. I mean, not now, but he did. And the fact that she mixed them up was, like, fucking hilarious.
0: Yeah, I thought it was hilarious, too. Because I looked at her mid-sentence, and she was just staring at me. Like, why did you fuck that name up? And I said are you looking at me like that? And it's cuz <laughs> she was she was legit confused and I was like, oh, here we go. Alright, we'll fix that oh right my now. God. <laughs> um, went on to briefly touch on Nancy's early life and how she started her mo- modeling career, went on to meet Kevin Sullivan and her early career on screen with Kevin. But I haven't really touched on her off-screen relationship with him, so I'll probably just mention a few things with that. Mm-hmm. And we stopped right before or right when we got to the on-screen drama that brought Nancy and Chris together when they married and then when their son Daniel was born. So briefly touched on that, and I want to give Brett a chance, now that I have him here, to put some, infe- uh, put some input on the events that we covered in the first half because he wasn't here, so.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, like his his stuff in WCW was... Was really good. Like like you said, he idolized the Dynamite Kid, which um, Dynamite Kid was tag team partners with British Bulldog, and they were part of the Bulldogs, and Dynamite Kid was, you know, behind the scenes, a very dark individual. I mean, he, both him and Chris were both on Dark Side of the Ring, that documentary series. I don't think they were in the same season no, no. Was he in the first season? Uh, Chris was in the first se- second season, and Dynamite Kid was in the third season. Um, he was in the most recent season. And there was, like, things that had came out. Um, there's a docu- documentary that you can watch on YouTube, which we'll talk about later. But he's he's in that, and I guess now would honestly probably be the, the best time to talk about it. The documentary itself is called Death Grip. It was basically, like, this documentary that was, like, aired on CNN in 2007, I think, and... So, like, right after? Yeah, it was, like, right after. Because that was... I mean, and again, like, we'll talk about that, but, like, that was a huge, huge thing. Like, every single news outlet covered this. Like, all of them. It was... It was just... It was mainstream. And... Um, Kid was interviewed for it, and by that time, and that was two thousand seven. He had lost. He's he he passed away. I forget when, but he he's gone now. But he, he lost his leg. And all yeah, like that. he lost the use of his legs. He was in a wheelchair. He was living in um, like a public housing. Um, he used to take steroids all the time, obviously, but he had stated he'd stopped taking steroids in nineteen ninety one because his doctor. I think he got injured or something, and his doctor discovered a heart murmur. Or, not a heart murmur, and a large heart. Um, very similar to what happened with Eddie Guerrero. And he, he stopped the steroids right then and there. And, As opposed
0: to Eddie, who did not?
1: <clears throat> mm, for the, Yeah, no, for the most part, no. And um, Dynamite stopped them right there in 91. And I mean, look, he, I think he lived to like 2000 and, and something, maybe after 2011. He lived a good bit long after that. And um, he, he pretty much, once he stopped that, Um, He was very, like, when watching the interview, like, Dynamite Kid was very delusional about anything he had done wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. his wife was also on there, and his wife blamed, like, the steroids for, you know, Dynamite Kid's anger and his problems. Dynamite Kid, like, he once dragged his wife by the hair and put a shotgun to her face. In front of her kids. And she... He also kicked him, he also kicked his wife and I think like his 3 week old baby out of the house. It was pretty bad.
0: Oh, I thought you were about to say that. He kicked them. Not probably kicked them out that of the house.
1: too. But yeah, I mean it got so bad to a point where like she spoke about how she like put both of her daughters on the bed and she went to grab one of his guns and she almost killed them. And then killed herself just to get away from him because she felt it like she could not do it. And then I forget what happened, but I think she just couldn't do it. And she actually didn't tell them up until that documentary, and it was all very emotional. But, mm-hmm. yeah, he was a piece of shit for the most part. Um, but at the end of the day, he did try to warn Chris about the stuff, about the steroids, mm-hmm. about the headbutt that he was doing. Um, and Chris just didn't really listen, you know? He, he didn't care um, and Chris came up, you know, from Calgary, and he, you know, he trained with the Hearts, and it was, I think he, I believe I he did, that. yeah. And um, I don't know much, much about his earlier career. I know more about the shit that I watched when I was a kid. But yeah. like, yeah, he came up, and that was where his stiffness came from. Like, I don't. You touched on it a little bit. I remember you had mentioned Stu Hart because. One of them yeah. said something about Stewart or something. <laughs> but <coughs> Stu Hart was like a freak of nature. Like, he would go in there. There's a documentary. You talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, wrestling with Shadows. Yeah. And that documentary basically, you know, if anybody would want to watch it that is a wrestling fan, it's it's on YouTube. A lot of the old stuff is. And it's basically about like Bret Hart leaving WWF in 97. It covers, like, the Screwjob and all that other stuff that happened around that time. And Stu Hart is like shown stretching dudes, and like he like takes them and he get they get down in the ring together, and then they f- he puts his arm behind his back, and he like nearly breaks his arm. Like it's 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 crazy, and that's the kind of shit that um, Chris was trained on. That's why he is so. Intense. That's why he's so stiff. Like when you hear the chops and you see the the snap suplexes, as you said, and like the snap German suplexes, like all that tight, quick, very looking. Like when you do a suplex or you do it any move that's like tight, like where it's really just quick. You know it hurts because it's like, you know, it's it's quick and it, it's stiff, and that's how he always he always wrestled. A lot of guys like that, and Chris is one of those guys that like. Again, we'll cover later, but, like, no one had a bad thing to say about him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, his his career going up to... Um, he he was in ECW, mm-hmm. and that was where he got the Crippler name. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Paul Heyman, the guy that created ECW, or didn't really create it, but made it what it was, really, he he loved him, and then he ended up going to WCW, and that was where he did the thing with Kevin. And, and by that time, which is a little-known fact... Um, I mean, maybe not a little now, but, like, Kevin and Nancy were actually separated for about eight months. Oh, I
0: saw... Okay, I, I yeah. saw six months in mine.
1: Okay, so, yeah. He had said eight months in a shoot interview that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, he really, um like you said, like, the, the joke is he booked his own divorce. And he didn't want to get interviewed for Dark Side. I'm surprised because Kevin really loves just talking about himself. But he, you know, they did that, and then... um he had different stuff throughout WCW. He was in the Four Horsemen with Flair for a bit, which is, you know, was was cool. And I think towards his late, like, 2000 was where Kevin uh, Sullivan, he was the booker still. And, or maybe again, WCW was just full of, um, full of different shit behind the scenes that was just, it was, it was a cluster. And he ended up booking Chris to win the world title, mm-hmm. um... And, like, I think it was, it would have been probably late 99, and that got a lot of heat on Kevin, because, like, the guy that was the champion at the time, which I believe was Sid Vicious, he, he was huge. He was, like, like 7 feet, 6'11", six, 6'10", six, six, and he, he said, you know, word for word, he's like, you know, Kevin told him he was going to lose the title to Chris, and he's like, you want me to lose to a midget? Like, that's what you want me to do. Because that's who those mm-hmm. big guys yep. w- were very, like, those little guys, like Eddie, like Chris Jericho, like Chris Benoit, like Dean Malenko, like Ray Mysterio, like they were midgets to them. That's what they called them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he put a lot of work into getting Chris the belt. But Chris was so paranoid that Chris thought that Kevin was just going to screw him over. He and gets by-
0: progressively more paranoid. Oh, than yeah.
1: I and he, he, I mean, rightfully so, because he had the history with Kevin, but, you know, he ended up leaving WCW with a few guys who we'll talk about, and then he ended up in WWF. So, like, his his early career is, is very good, but what he is really known for, for sure, is his WWF career from 2000
0: mm-hmm. to 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to go back to Kevin and Nancy's relationship, too, because uh, mm-hmm. I read in an interview, much like you had seen, um, that Sandra, Nancy's sister, actually on Dark Side of the Ring, had kind of touched on abuse that was going on in her interview Mm -hmm. but more recently like I think two years ago Kevin had stated that quote for Sandra to say that I think sometimes maybe Sandra sees things in her own way and these guys from Dark Side of the Ring certainly aren't Sherlock Holmes or Watson or they would have figured that out did some research sorry did some research on that Her mother was very appreciative, and her father, too, of what I did to get squashed. She never really, we went to court and said, this is the only time that we ever had a problem and won't happen again, and I got her out, and she went home, and I got the car and drove with the keys. So, he claims that there wasn't. That's
1: what Kevin said. I'm sorry, I missed that. Okay. Yeah,
0: Kevin said that, and he said that there wasn't. Yeah. Other than the one time, according to that.
1: Well, I mean, I have, like, I have, like, some quotes here. I gave... I watched a little bit of what Kevin said, and Kevin basically said, like, he said that Chris was very intense, he has no ill will towards Chris for ending up with Nancy, and like he said, he was separated. He said eight months, could have been six months, who knows, and, uh, you know, he said Chris was very much a student of the game, and he was a hard... He was always hard on himself. Mm -hmm. Like, if Chris messed up on something, he would just... He would just torture himself, and, like, it was to the point where he even saw himself, like, you know, he... Chris messed up, and, and Chris ended up doing 50 squats right then and there because he had just messed up on something so mm-hmm. little. Um, and, like I said, he, he had talked about, like, the... the putting the title on him, and he, he wanted to help Chris out, but Chris yes. obviously just didn't didn't want to take it. Now, as, you know, who knows how much of that is actually... anybody can say anything, but, you know...
0: Especially after the fact.
1: Yeah, and that's what he, he's... I don't want to speak ill of the dead and everything else. And that's fair, but, you know, we don't know, obviously, behind the scenes what Kevin said. Nancy didn't really talk too much about Kevin either in that in that Dark Side documentary. Like, or not Nancy, I'm sorry. Sandra um, Nancy's. Yes. Yeah, like, she really didn't talk too much about him. She did say, like, he had put her hands on her the one time. But mm-hmm. other than that, like, it, they didn't really talk too much about it. So it's like, who mm-hmm. you know, who knows about that?
0: Yeah. I just thought it... I had fallen into that, like, rabbit hole to see what else there was to dig up on mm-hmm. that side of Kevin and Nancy's relationship, and that's really all I found. Um, now, as far as Nancy and Chris Benoit's relationship, for the most part, I believe, at the beginning of the relationship, it was pretty good, on screen and off screen. Oh, yeah. It seems yeah. like they really hit it off, and it was great in the beginning. During their four-year relationship, they had become accustomed to the lifestyle that they lived, where... They were living separately for half the year, and it worked out for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, while he was on the road um, until two thousand one or two thousand two, around there, mm-hmm. uh, when not only after catastrophic damage from drug use and Benoit, like the use on Benoit's brain started to affect him mm-hmm. severely, so he got more paranoid. Like I said earlier, he also had a spinal in uh, spinal surgery around that time as yes. well. I think in 2001, and that's why it goes into 2002. So he had been forced to stay home and, you know, go through rehabilitation with that. Mm -hmm. And he became a little bitter about his situation, from what I found. So he was sitting at home, and he actually described feelings of intense anxiety and insecurity during that time while missing all of the events and having to sit home and stay there. (laughs) So...
1: Yeah, like, around that time, if I remember correctly, he had... That was, like... Yeah, so that was 2001. Mm -hmm. This was right after WWF had bought WCW, and, like... This thing was gonna happen where, like, the two... Like, he had bought WCW, and then WCW was gonna invade the company, and then there was gonna be this big thing, and unfortunately it ended up being like this real big downer because like they didn't get the big WCW guys Mm -hmm. and they had all these, you know, nobodies from WCW. And at the time, WWF lost like some of their biggest guys. They didn't have Rock until a little bit into the story. Um, Triple H got injured. Triple H Mm -hmm. got injured right around the same time that um, Chris did. Chris hurt his neck. And he had to do it surgery, and he was out for that whole storyline. Eddie which, was also out. Yep, Eddie was he out. Was out, and re- um, out yeah, Eddie wasn't even in the company um, at the time. So like, yeah, that that really sucked for Chris, and I imagine that was probably hard on him because like that storyline was a probably a big storyline because he was in all three of the companies in the story because ECW ended up coming into the fold, so he was a part of all that. And he actually couldn't even be involved in the storyline, which I'm mm-hmm. sure really put a damper on him in general because, like, I know he probably would have wanted to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, and I think he might have honestly been a little scared realizing that this was, this could be his future as he got older and it frightened him. Like, mm-hmm. he'd have to sit back and let the new the new guys do what they do. And instead of enjoying his extra time with his family, he kind of took his frustration out on Nancy. Um during his year of rehabilitation, they were said to have fought pretty consistently, from what I read, and mm-hmm. though Benoit was reputed for being extremely gentle and doubting toward his son, so always very nice yeah. to his son. Yeah, He loved that, Daniel. He loved Daniel so much.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so during this time, there was incredible stress on the marriage and... That kind of happened the entire year while he was out until he went back to wrestling in May of two thousand two. Yeah. Um, something we didn't touch on in part one was the drug was the drug use that I yeah. just mentioned. So Benoit, Eddie, and a whole lot of pro wrestlers during this time were using, whether it just be speed, uh, steroids, especially alcohol, marijuana, whatever.
1: So yeah, I mean with with the the drug use, I mean, here's, here's the thing, and I mean, this n- might not necessarily, um, I don't know, this might not necessarily stop the drug use, but, like, this is why a lot of guys like Randy Orton, and, uh, you know, Matt Riddle, and, and Bret Hart to a point, who, Bret Hart is the biggest stick in the mud, I, I know, as a wrestler, but, like, he even said, like, we should not be... Find against which is that i'm aware of now wwe no longer fines for it they still test for it but if you pop hot for it they don't care um and that's a, honestly a good thing because you know a lot of people not necessarily everybody but like a lot of deaths probably could have been avoided if if we not had been legal but if they just didn't suspend people for smoking weed um mm-hmm. but yeah i mean drugs drugs pills cocaine um you know somas all that stuff was all so big between the '80s and the late 2000s. Uh, you know, going into like 2000 and like eight and nine, and it was just it. It was bad. I mean, it was bad, and that is why a lot of guys like Eddie, like uh, Andrew Martin, who was Test, um, you know, Crush, Mister Perfect, like all these guys. You know, they're gone. You know, because of drugs. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Even even some of the women valets who, you know, the valets weren't going and dropping, you know, getting chair shots and getting hit on their backs. They weren't taking any hits. They weren't in pain, and yet here they were still taking pills, mm-hmm. still, you know, still shooting up, still snorting cocaine, and then dying. And, and fortunately, it's just it's what it is, and that's kind of, you know, and that's with any entertainment, and that's what Vince obviously... Vince touches on that in that documentary I talked about which we'll we'll discuss towards the end but like Vince is like well no entertainment is is drug free which is true and he's not wrong because every place has drugs I mean music movies like every place has like mm-hmm. drugs but that doesn't justify it obviously but yeah you're not wrong like the the drug use was bad in those years like really bad
0: Yeah and the I, the reason I wanted to touch on that is because I think it plays a huge obviously a huge role in Eddie's death and Chris's death the industry especially at this time like you had just said had a huge drug problem mm-hmm. um the testing was also flawed and not even that strict you kind of yep. touched on that too um but it wasn't only the drug use that was an issue that really fucked up these wrestlers it was kind of a free for all in the ring um, cause that's what fans wanted like you just said it was all entertainment it's what it was about and what I mean by that is that there was ladders there was chairs there was blood all at that time mhm and these things aren't allowed anymore. Like you said, they get fined whenever they do, you know, draw blood or use something that they're not supposed to. And like I said, all of these things weren't. Hold on, sorry, lost my please. Okay, this is the article. All these things that were allowed back then, and the wrestlers love the job, the fans love the drama and the mm-hmm. quote unquote realness. Yeah. Of, the injuries yeah. essentially um but it took insane tolls on the wrestlers body and mental health. Mhm. Uh this case alone changed a lot of that and really brought to light all of those issues mm-hmm. because of the major tragedy that happened and they looked at Chris Benoit's brain afterwards. Uh they tried to determine why this once quiet family man who again nobody really had any bad things to say about him mm-hmm he was grieving immensely and it just switched to a completely different man by the end of it that yeah. was able to do something so horrible. They found that there were physical tolls on his brain caused by constant blows to the head from his intense wrestling style mm-hmm. which included like the chair shots the dives outside the ring the brain busters the power bombs the suplexes you had touched on uh, even from back in his Japan days.
1: Oh yeah. And yeah.
0: numerous diving headbutts that you know he tried to be warned about or uh the dynamite kid tried to warn him about for sure um that he actually did off of the tops of labr- ladders and cages oh not, yeah I not mean, just the side of the ring
1: yeah i mean japan japan wrestling is some of the most like brutal wrestling in the world i mean if you want to see if you want to see some crazy some crazy shit in japan look up look up um
0: crazy shit just goes on in japan all the yeah
1: time, well <laughs> look up death matches between terry funk and mcfoley in japan um, i mean it's it's as they say, it's the stuff of legends, but it's like
0: fucking it, brutal.
1: Oh yeah, it's like it's it's bad. It's really bad. And Japan, you know, that's if you watch Japan wrestling, you don't see a lot of applause. Applauses go till the end. Like American wrestling, like they, crowds are going ape shit the whole time if they like what they see. But with Japan, like they they are very like if a if a move is good, they will they will applaud. But they keep most of their like energy down because it's it's a respect thing. And like in Japan,
0: completely different. Cultures.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and then in Japan, like they they want you to be stiff, like you are you are literally supposed to be stiffer in Japan, like that yeah. is that's what they do, so, and that's why Chris, you know, that was one of his areas over there. And again, all these guys that we talk about, these younger, like I think Mysterio was over there, I know Jericho was over there, Eddie was over there. That's where Eddie met Chris. So like mm-hmm. you know, they everyone's been all over the world, and that's where Chris kind of grabbed all this knowledge and style from is from traveling like all over the place
0: which makes him really well rounded Mm
1: -hmm. oh yeah oh yeah and Uh, that's that's why he's one of the best that you know ever ever did it and that's why everybody says that about him
0: yeah now that being said on all the drug use and so on i'm gonna actually jump back into eddie guerrero while i mentioned before right before getting into all of that that you know eddie was out as well Um, going through his own rehabilitation. And in Benoit's absence, Guerrero had actually graduated from rehab and was fired immediately afterwards for drunkenly attempting to steamroll the entrance of his gated community in his pickup truck. Yes. So that was the thing. Um, Quote, while fired from WWE, he had sobered up from alcohol at least for good, end quote. Uh, I got that from one of my readings. Mm -hmm. And... Impressed the wrestling community on other tours, and eventually sucked up to WWE to come back and started doing an amount amount of steroids.
1: Yeah, so, so Eddie, we can we can talk about Eddie for a little bit. So Eddie, um, he was he was really good. I have uh, I have his book that he did right before he died. Um,
0: Autobiography. Yeah,
1: yeah. I should have given it to you. I didn't think about it. It's it's nothing crazy. It's just about his career. But he. Um, he did a lot. Like Eddie should have died three to four times for the amount of stuff he did. He overdosed at his mom's house. Um, he.
0: I remember. Didn't he? Didn't she say in an interview like she left him one time? Or yeah. So
1: else? like he did this one thing. Yeah, he overdosed at like Vicky's, and she just left him there. That oh, was Vicky? Okay. Um. His wife. Yeah, and he did this one. He he drank a bunch of. It was this. Uh. uh I can't think of the name of it, and I feel stupid for not knowing it, because it's on the tip of my tongue. okay, we
0: don't even know the right wrestler's name's over here, so it's fine. he,
1: um, He basically took this medicine that's basically supposed to help you sleep, and you only literally take, like, a cap or two, and he took, like a lot like he took a lot and he ended up driving and then he ended up blacking out and i think his car flipped it went into a tree like he should have died Shit. he he you know the his doctor told him like you will never wrestle again he came back within 3 months like it was as
0: per the usual with these yes. guys
1: and it was really bad and you know he he was determined cuz he was he was even i don't i would say even more I, w- I would say, even more determined to be a wrestler than Chris, because it was in his blood, his fame. Mm. Like, it, you know, Eddie didn't go to a playground. He didn't play, um, you know, baseball or catch in his backyard. He wrestled in a, in a ring. That's what Eddie did. Like, Eddie ate, slept, you know, breathed wrestling. And that's also why him and, him and Chris and, and Dean all became, you know, best friends. But... Eddie was a big drug addict, and yes, he, he ended up leaving WCW. So in WCW, it was him, it was Eddie, uh, Chris Benoit, Perry Saturn, and Dean Malenko. And they left. They I don't know the exact details, but they either walked out or they just got out. I think they actually just got out of their contracts. And mm-hmm. um, they left. They showed up on, I believe it was uh, SmackDown, maybe a Raw, uh, a couple months later at WWE. And they were called the Radicals. And they came in as faces for about a week, which face means good guy, and heel means bad guy. So they came in as good guys for like a week, and then they ended up becoming bad guys. And then not even within, I think, a couple weeks, maybe even, I think it was his first match in WWF, Eddie hurt his arm. He dislocated his elbow or something, and... That really took a damper on Eddie, but Eddie was still, you know, he was still doing okay. He was, he made the injury work and then he ended up teaming up with China for a bit, which was some of his best work because he ended up being, you know, he had got his nickname Latino Heat and he did that for a while. And then, yeah, he, you know, his alcohol, he got the best of him, and he got a DUI and you know, they fired him. They fired him, you know, very quickly. And he ended up going to rehab, and he finally got clean. Uh, he had separated from Vicky at this point. He had his own apartment. Like, he, they were gone, you know. He, she took the kids, and he was on his own. In that time frame, he ended up meeting uh, another woman, and he had a child with her. And, you know, the family's all together. I think, actually, she's on TikTok, I'm pretty sure. I've seen when I scroll through. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm sure. Seri- no, I'm sure. Seri- when I see, like, I'll scroll through. Like, I think just recently on Father's Day, like... It popped up and it was like Eddie and I'm like, who is this? And I looked and it's like it's his, it's his kid and like she'll post like old pictures of him and Chris and like all kinds Aww. of stuff. Um, so he ended up getting clean and then he did some stuff on the Independence. He actually wrestled a really good match, um, which is you can get it on YouTube. I think it was with um, it was with uh, Mid South Wrestling and it was Chris uh, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero versus CM Punk. ...for the Mid-South uh, World title. And I think Eddie won. I could I could be wrong. But, you know, Eddie... ...crashed on people's couches. I believe he crashed on CM Punk's couch. And CM Punk once said... Uh, ...I thought I was good... ...until I got into the ring with Eddie Guerrero. And, you know, he... ...Eddie was one of the best. If not top... ...you know, he's on that Mount Rushmore... ...for sure. And uh, he ended up coming back in like 2002... And he, I remember he showed up and started a feud with Rob Van Dam because they were both using the same finisher, the Frog Splash. And, yeah, that was right. Eddie came, like, a little bit. And then when Chris Benoit came back after his neck injury in 2003, uh, he instantly teamed up with Eddie as bad guys. And, you know, those those two were definitely thick as thieves. Him, Eddie, and uh, Dean all rode together for 15 years. Mm. And they called them the Three Amigos. And, you know, they just, they were... They were just best friends.
0: Yeah, Eddie was the only person whom Benoit felt completely comfortable and honest mm-hmm. with. Like, Told him everything, um, forthcoming about his problems. Guerrero was the moderating and calming influence in Ben's life, um, from what I read. Yeah. And less than a year after Benoit's return on the road, Chris and Nancy actually separated. Yeah. So on May 12, 2003, she filed for a divorce, obtaining a straining order. Obtaining a restraining order, uh, preventing Benoit from actually moving within a hundred feet, I believe, of Nancy and okay. Daniel, and in the suit she allegedly said that Benoit threatened her, broke furniture in fits of rage, and was guilty of quote uh, quote cruel treatment end quote. Six months later, without any foreseeable explanation, Nancy. Nancy withdrew the divorce paperwork and dropped the restraining order. So that was the only thing that I found on that. But at some yeah. point they were separated, and all of a sudden it just went away after six months.
1: Yeah, and that's you—you'd see that with a lot of people. Um, Brock Lesnar's married to <coughs> who, uh, an old valet slash wrestler uh, named Sable, and they—they they, similar thing happened. They separated. She got a restraining order. I'm pretty sure you know uh, Brock you know, beat her or whatever, and then, you know, she dropped it, it's, it's, that's what toxic, unfortunately, and, it, you know, who knows, who knows what's to sit behind doors, they're still together, and I'm, I'm sure they're happy with kids and everything now, but, um, yeah, that's what, unfortunately, that's what happens a lot in, in wrestling, and I mean, well, I in hate. any
0: entertainment. Oh, for sure. Like, couple, really. You
1: know, and that's, that's what happens when you got two big personalities, because Nancy, as mm-hmm. everybody would say, like, you don't... you know, She, she held her
0: own. Everyone yeah. said that. Yep. Like, she was feisty.
1: She didn't take shit from anybody. And, you know, if Chris isn't going to back down and she's not going to back down, well, then obviously you're going to deal with... Headbutton. You know, it's not going to be like a... I, I feel like in her case it wouldn't be like, you know, a domestic abuse situation. Because I feel like she'd, she'd go right back at him, you yeah. know? It wouldn't be an unfair fight. Like, she would, you know, she would go after him. And it's... Unfortunately, in that business, there's a lot of, like, you're on the road a lot, and, you know, rumors had arose towards the end that, like, Chris was sleeping with one one of the girls, you know, one of the divas. I heard
0: Nancy was sleeping around. Yeah, like, and, really and a, lot
1: of rumors. a lot of the guys don't think that's true, though. Like, you know, Hardcore Holly had said in his book, like, just because a guy, you know, gives, you know, rides with one of the divas doesn't mean he's, he's you know, he's fucking her. Like, it's just, yeah. it, it it's just two friends, that's it, and Chris, I mean, I would say Chris doesn't seem like, he didn't seem like that guy, but, you know, Cena did, like, Cena did, uh, Edge did, um, I'm not even thinking of names, but Cena's, like, a number one, it's never been proven, but, I mean, if you know, you know, like, and that's John Cena, who's one of the most stand-up people in the business, so it's like, you know, if that's gonna happen, anything can happen, so...
0: Very true. It's one of those things. Like even as to w- opposed to why we don't really know an answer as to why he went and did what he did. Yeah. Chris, speaking of Chris Benoit, is what yeah. I mean, um, fast forward. I'm gonna fast forward to the highlight, and well, I think it's the highlight and the most iconic moment of his wrestling career. March Fourteenth, Two Thousand Four, WrestleMania Twenty.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Main event. Chris Benoit versus Shawn Michaels versus Triple
1: H. Yeah, so Benoit had did the Rumble in two thousand four. I'm pretty sure he was the first one in, and he at the time he was the longest one in the match ever. He had created uh, a thing, you know. He, had, I think, Ray Mysterio was beaten in that sense, but he won the Rumble. I remember very vividly uh, Shawn and Hunter, uh, Triple H had already been doing their own little thing and. This was around a time where, like... And this was kind of a big deal for Chris, because, like, this was around a time where Triple H never not had the championship. Like, mm-hmm. this motherfucker always had the belt. Like, you know... And I was a Triple H fan back then, but, like, this guy always had the belt. So, you know, him and Sean were feuding, and then Chris Benoit kind of came in. And I remember this being, like, Sean was basically like, fuck you, like, this is my shot, you're not taking this, and... Apparently
0: the lead-up to the match was pretty subpar, like...
1: It was. Yeah, so it was.
0: So, St- Steph's beloved Shawn Michaels was actually booed continuously during the match, from what I understood. Like, oh, the yeah. They tried to, like, oh, hype yeah. up the crowd over there. Because
1: they had you. already had this match. Like, they already had Triple H for Shawn Michaels, I want to say, probably at least one or two times before that in the most recent months. And then previously, back in, like, 2002. So, like, we really didn't need to see this feud again, but yet here we were. And, um... You know, I remember, like, at some point in the lead-up, like, Stone Cold at the time, because he had retired, he was, like, the, the general manager. He made the triple threat. And going into this, this was the 20th WrestleMania. This was in Madison Square Garden, which mm-hmm. to WWE is, like, like the mecca. Like, that's, that's home. That's the home base. And, you know, this was, I think, the first time... I think this was the first triple threat match. There was a multi-man match back in 2000 for the title, but I think this was the first triple threat match for the WWE title in the main event of WrestleMania. Um, I could be wrong about that. But they did the triple threat, and it was a great match. I mean, it was it was a fantastic match. Um, you know, Shawn got a lot of spots in. Triple H got a lot of spots in. A lot of times with wrestling, If you want a guy to look, as they say, strong, you don't have him get pinned. So like, you know, in this match, you could have said, okay, Sean's going to take the pin or Sean's going to tap out and Triple H isn't going to do anything because then Triple H can come back later and be like, well, I never lost it. You know, I didn't tap. I wasn't pinned. And it makes him look strong. You know, and a lot of people give Triple H shit. And he, he took the tap for Chris Benoit. And that was key on that night because it, it would, would have probably still had the same effect at the time for Sean to lose to him. But to beat the champion at the time, and you know, that he Triple H was the guy, um, that was a big moment for Chris. You know, and JR on commentary, it gets very emotional. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, he it's like a 20 year journey, you know, culminated. Like, this. this was everything he had dreamed for. You know, and he's crying and he's upset. And in that match, as I'm sure you're about to bring up, like, at the very end, you know, Confetti's flying and then Eddie comes out. And Eddie, the, you know, previously in the night, Eddie had already won the title about a month or two beforehand and he just defended the title and won. And, you know, he comes out and those two, you know, those two are hugging and, and, and they're both crying. And that's, like, that's a moment. Like, that's a really, really strong moment for anyone that watched wrestling at that time you know if if it it still gets me because it's like that's also you know a key moment because neither of those men are here now yeah and you know after that i believe like when the cameras went off there like nancy came out and daniel came yeah. out and i think um his son david came out and, and they all celebrated with him in the ring but it's like it, it yeah, he won the WCW title, which they don't even talk about. But, like, yeah, he won the title for, you know, for a cup of coffee in WCW. But for him to win the WWE title on the the biggest stage ever in Madison Square Garden, I mean, and those people lost it. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it was... There was no other person that could have won that match. Shawn definitely couldn't have won that match because it would not have been the same. Hunter could not have retained that title on that night because that would have been an absolute letdown. For, you know, the New York fans, who are some of the strongest and most vocal fans in wrestling, for them to win that, or for him to win that, and then they get to see that and that pop, it's just, there's no other. That's top top five, you know, WrestleMania moments for any, you know, fan of that time frame.
0: Yeah, I I remember you put it on, and we watched it, and it was just pretty much the end clip. like. Yeah. I, Triple H tapping, and even I lost it. And I had kind of grown out of watching it at this point. Um, I kind of mentioned it in part one. And I know you mentioned pretty much all of this already, but I'm going to try to do this match justice with how emotional the ending really was. Um, like you said, Triple H taps out, making Benoit the champion. Much of the show was pretty tame for the most part, especially during other compared to other events mm-hmm. that had taken place. And then, like you said, the crowd fucking erupted mm-hmm. as soon as, you know, he was claimed champion. The ultimate everyman, the nicest guy in wrestling, the many, like, he, many believed that he was kind of under, underappreciated,
1: mm-hmm.
0: fucking won, finally. Oh, yeah. And he's up on the, he's up on the ropes and he is, you know, showing, holding up his belt, mm-hmm. and then he finally gets down and he turns around and Eddie's there and it's just almost like a sigh, you can physically see a sigh of relief Mm -hmm. and, like, emotion that comes out when his best friend's behind him, Mm. and it just really shows, like, the actual friendship, not just an on-screen friendship that's kind of like, okay, yeah, they're friends, they're cool, like,
1: raw emotion. Oh, yeah.
0: And, yeah, he climbed down, turned around, saw him, Eddie left the ring, let his friend have his moment, and his family came on, like you said, nancy daniel and his oldest son david were all there in the ring and actually backstage after the celebration after all the confetti fell and all everything kind of calmed down a little bit eddie and chris shared another moment back like backstage Mm -hmm. where eddie kissed chris on the cheek and told him i love you man i'm so happy for you nobody deserved it more
1: i don't think i've ever seen that uh i i do remember they had a it was a it was a television moment. Like, this was scripted, obviously, but, like, earlier in the night... I right think,
0: before, like, when he was
1: yeah, you know going through, he was walking yeah. through. Yeah, and, yeah. and then and Eddie the came in, and he was fucking with him, kind of. It was just, like, he was trying to get him hyped. Hyped and he, up, and the like, pressure trying, was on. And, like, you know, that was really cool, and, like, you know, it was... That was that was, that was that was really special. And, I mean, like I had said, the I think the month or two before Eddie had won the title, and Eddie yeah. kind of... Eddie got his moment. I forget where they were. They were down... They were in Texas, I think. And, um, you know, Eddie, I remember he beat Brock for the title. And he came back and Vince hugged Eddie. And, like, Vince... Vince... And we'll talk about that when when Eddie passed away. But, like, Vince loved Eddie. And, you know, for Eddie to win that belt and then Chris wins that belt, that's a weird time. Because, like, again... And when I talk about when I talk about later about what Vince's excuse was in 07 about uh, the guys that he likes, but like at that time you got two, as the boys would call it back in '99, two midgets are now the, both the world champions of the company. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's not really heard of at that time because of the guys that you had, like Triple H, um, like Goldberg was there at the time, like John. Brock was there at the time, John. You was mean Cena? Kinda... Yeah. Cena? Yeah. Cena had just No, been...
0: no, no. The
1: Giant. Big Show? Yeah, I
0: think so.
1: But he was the Giant in WCW. Yeah. But yeah, Big Show was there. Big Show... Fuck Big Show. Big Show was a lazy piece of shit. I can't stand Big Show. <laughs> I I don't care. Um, but those big guys, like Triple H... Sean wasn't too big, but even... You could tell Sean was on roids. Like, you could yeah. tell. He was just like... You know, and... Uh, those bigger guys were in there, and then you had... And he, You know, I don't like that phrase about, like, bigger guys. is because, like, Eddie and and Chris were pretty big. They were average, too. They were short, but, man, like, Chris Chris sometimes couldn't put his damn arms down. And you could see the veins popping out of Eddie, man. Like, they weren't small guys. They were small height-wise, but, like, stature and, like, you know with yeah like like eddie was fucking shredded like eddie was probably more shredded than chris was i never found chris to really be all much of a shredded guy he had muscle but like he didn't really have like you know abs like eddie man like eddie's arms were just like big and um yeah and that was that was the roids obviously but yeah those guys to win those belts on that time frame of 20th anniversary and mind you 2003 and four and even 2002 was a very slow period for WWE because they were coming fresh off the Attitude Era, and a major viewership decline happened. Mm-hmm. And because you lost Stone Cold, you mm-hmm. lost The Rock, um, you lost. Well, Mick Foley had already left a little bit there, but like you lost, you lost those big guys. Um, you know, you really just had Triple H left, and Triple H, to his credit, carried that company from you know, like, oh3 until pretty much, like, 2010. But um, for those guys to get that opportunity was really great for them.
0: Now, by 2005, two dozen of Benoit's former colleagues and traveling partners had actually died due to complications from their long-time consumption of steroids and other drugs. In addition to brain damage and alcoholism and speed addiction, Benoit felt paranoid and depressed because of his the loss of his fellow colleagues and friends and they were meeting their demise and he i think kind of grew paranoid because he most likely saw that as an end for himself and didn't really want to admit it and wanted to continue doing what he loved and eddie himself was also feeling depressed at the same time but they had each other which kind of made it easier and it was really nice that they had each other during that time um he won Back the love of the crowd, uh, Eddie did, um, because without his title, and he was feeling so depressed and all of that going on, he felt pressure to do even better and perfect his act. So he won back the love of the crowd, but Dominic, I think it's Pellegro? Who? Dominic.
1: No, his last name?
0: Yeah. Pe- Peglier.
1: Oh, I... Where is it? I'm sorry. Uh... Peglieri... Pegliero. Pegliero.
0: So, he won back the love of the crowdbite uh, Dominic Pegliero, who often worked with Eddie, stated that, quote, Eddie looked dead on his feet some days, just fucking awful and ill and broken. Mm-hmm. You could tell that he was not in a good way, that he was just beat to shit, end quote. So, that sucks to hear someone that... I, I posted a picture on the Instagram, like, his smile was...
1: Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, makes yeah. you
0: want to freaking smile, too. It was fucking oh, yeah. great. And to hear that he just...
1: Eddie worn was... so... Yeah.
0: So worn down.
1: Eddie was... I fucking loved Eddie, man. Eddie was... Eddie is one of the very few wrestlers that have died that like I really cried over like oh man like he was so he was so good so entertaining like the stuff he did with his nephew Chavo as the Los Carreros and like the skits that they did and the lie cheating and steal stuff that he did oh man it's just like Eddie was one hundred percent my favorite. Like I mean, I had those guys, like yeah, like I like Cena at the time and I like Triple H, but like Eddie was just that guy I could never hate. And I thought
0: you loved Stone Cold.
1: Well, he had, he had been gone by that time. Oh, okay, oh yeah. Like, okay. oh, at the to- You're talking about this. Yeah, thing. we're talking about That's this. I thought you meant overall. Yeah, overall. we're talking... <laughs> overall, oh, yeah. Overall, like, it's it, it'll always be Stone Cold, <laughs> for sure. Um, but, like, at that time, yeah, like, Eddie was always... Eddie was my guy, and he was so good, and he was so entertaining. Um, and, man, like, you know... When he when he um, won the title, like that was insane. And I was more excited that Eddie won the title than Chris. I was super happy that Chris won. Chris was, and that's the thing. Chris was never my favorite. He really wasn't. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I found Chris to be fucking boring. But that's just because like I liked his wrestling, but like he couldn't cut a promo to save his life, really. Um, so I was never a fan of Chris. But when like
0: he was not very good actor either.
1: No, and he, and he yeah, he of, like, he, he didn't stuff. have that charisma, and that's not who Chris was, and that's okay. Um, Chris won everyone over with his talent, and he yeah. was a great wrestler. And but, his commitment. And- yes, but, like, Eddie, Eddie could, like, oh, man, Eddie could just, he could just switch on a dime. Like, it's like you said, like. He had became a heel, and, like, he was just such a loved guy, and for him to become a heel was just unthinkable. And he was not a heel for long. Like, it was only, I think, maybe three months. Because he started being a heel, I would say, probably around April or May. And I'd say by, like, probably about, like, September, he was already back to being a face. Like, he was not a heel very long. um, Because he was just so loved. Like, everyone, Mm -hmm. everyone loved him.
0: Yeah, and I guess around this time, November twelfth, two thousand five, the writing team decided to give Eddie the belt again.
1: Yes, so, so he was supposed to. Batista had gotten injured. I can't remember which injury it was. It might have been the one uh, with Mark Henry or whatever. But yeah, he was supposed to win the belt. He had gotten in, so he did. So Eddie, in his two thousand five, was pretty simple. So he like he teamed up. Um, he teamed up with Rey Mysterio. They won the tag titles. They had a friendly little match at Mania. Rey beat him. You could see the signs that Eddie was very much like he was. He was going. He was going to turn heel. Um, eventually, he finally did turn heel. He turned on Rey. He, the whole storyline, which uh, with with Rey Mysterio and Dominic and. God, that was such a weird thing back then. That was those stories that they don't do anymore where, like, you really thought that was Eddie's kid. Like, obviously it's not. But, like, you know that you could have thought, like, damn, that's is that really Eddie's kid? Like, as a child, you know, 2005, I was only 11 years old. Yeah. Like, I I thought that was Eddie's kid. I yeah. really did. And, like, that was... God, that's when I loved wrestling because, like, nowadays, you fucking, you would know. And it's, like, yeah. you know, and...
0: Well, it's they, also a part of us growing up. Yeah, so, like- but,
1: like... You know he did. They did the ladder match, which was. Looking back on it, it's a great match, but man, did they take some unnecessary risks? Like, you know, Eddie, Eddie took some bumps on that ladder, and so did Ray. And which is funny because Ray and Eddie had a fantastic couple matches over the last few months, and then you know Eddie and Ray, the I think the two main matches they're known for is the SummerSlam match with the the, I, I. joke and i say dominic on a pole match but um their match at halloween havoc back in 96 or 7 6 i believe um is an all-time classic like i mean talk about wrestling talk about emotion talk about a crowd at back in 96 wcw that didn't give a shit about the cruiserweights They put on a five-star classic, and it is fantastic. If anybody actually does want to, like, relive that, uh, the new WWE game has, like, a a story mode, and you relive a lot of... Eddie's in a lot of that, actually, because it's based on Rey Mysterio, but Eddie's in, like, three, three matches, I think, in that whole story thing. Um... So yeah, Eddie did the the SummerSlam match, and then I think they he fought Ray one more time. I don't think he ever beat Ray in any of those matches. He might have beat him on their last match in the Steel Cage on on the tenth anniversary of SmackDown, but other than that, I don't think he ever beat Ray. I can't really remember. Um, so they did that, and then um, he started feuding with Batista, uh, who was the champion at the time, and that was where like I guess the crowd really wanted to cheer him again and. You know, they they did this thing where he was going after the the title belt for Batista, and that belt wasn't going anywhere. Eddie wasn't going to win that from Batista. Mm-hmm. You know, Batista had just got the belt a few months prior. Batista was on a big old sky. He was he got a rocket strapped to him just like Cena did, and you know he lost. But the the, the funny thing about that match with Batista, which was his last pay per view match uh, at No Mercy two thousand five. He could have. He could have cheated. He could have did like a chair shot or whatever it was, and he didn't. And that was basically solidifying like Eddie's not such a bad guy. Mm. And from there, like him and Batista did funny skits, and it was, it was really good. And then, um, yeah, you could tell he was getting like really pale, and he was getting like you could just he was tired, man. Like you could mm. see he was tired, and. Um, I would say... I forget what match it was. It would have probably been the week before um, he died, but he had his last match on TV against a guy... In
0: November of
1: 2005? Yeah, and he had a he had his last match against a guy named uh, Mr. Kennedy. It was for, like, to qualify for the Survivor Series team. Eddie cheated, and he won. And then at the end of the match, in typical WWE fashion, he took a share shot right to the head. And, you know, I remember oh my god I remember as kids we had said like Ken Kennedy like killed him from the chair shot like that caused him to die and stuff and I was like oh my god thinking about it now it's so stupid but like yeah that was his last televised match the last thing you see of Eddie Guerrero is him getting hit in the head with a chair not a lot of people talk about that wow. and that's that sucks you know yeah. but yeah and and then you know he died a couple days later in in his hotel which I'm sure you're going to talk about but yeah like it's his 2005, you know, and he and like you said, he, he had booked them to win the belt. You know, he was going to... he had gotten injured, and Eddie was going to win it again. And it really sucks that he didn't get to hold it, because he only held the WWE title one time. And he should have held it way more than that. And that's... It's really unfortunate.
0: Yeah, and then getting back into that, the ne- very next day, right before he was supposed to go for that match, uh, Eddie's nephew, Chavo called hotel security because Eddie wasn't answering they were calling him they repeatedly tried to call and knock on the door and i remember watching of course dark side of the ring and chavo is talking about this and he's holding he- he's holding Eddie as he dies and he's describing like the short gurgly mm-hmm. breaths that Eddie was taking like as his last breath yeah and that was emotional when uh, Chava was reliving that, uh, he called Chris, and Chava describes the tragic yell that escapes Benoit. Yeah. When he's on the phone telling him what happened, um, Benoit rushes to the hotel room, you know, he comes in, from what I read, he embraces Eddie's corpse and, like,
1: yeah.
0: as they're taking him off, like, he wouldn't, like, let go until the paramedics, like, made him, like, release. His yeah. Friend. Um. So super fucking emotional. Extremely diswrought after that. Like. Yeah. Does not come back, and just completely down spirals from that.
1: So yeah, like I no, I mean I didn't know. I don't know exactly who would have known, but I did not know that Eddie died in Chris in in uh, Chavo's arms. I did not know that. Um. I remember like the the main point was. Chavo just found him in the bathroom. He mm-hmm. he was brushing his teeth or whatever, and he had he just yeah the
0: toothpaste was on the yeah way.
1: and he had just you know he he uh, collapsed and died. I did not know that he died in his arms. We're watching that on the dark side. That sucked. Like I remember mm-hmm. the first time watching that. Ah, oh, I was a mess because like, I did not know that, and um, just awful. Oh yeah, and you know, Chris it,
0: Jericho goes on to describe like. Seeing Benoit at the funeral, um I'm sure later that week, I'm guessing is when that would have happened. and they the embrace that Jericho says they share was like a desperate hug, yeah, from Benoit like such so much need there for comfort.
1: It's yeah, if you go, so like he died on a Sunday and it had came out, and I remember reading it on like whatever at the time whatever website I saw. Actually, I don't even think I saw it on website. It was probably on the news. And, you know, I had told my pap about it. My pap was like, mm, it's, you know, it's probably a fucking story or whatever. And it, it wasn't. And I remember watching the Raw the next night. They had the, the, the whole... The tribute. Yeah, yeah, they had the whole, you know, the whole uh, the whole team was out on the, on the ramp. And the whole company was out there. And they had his low rider out there. And just the they fans, man, like... The tears and just... Mm -hmm. You know, and Chris was... You know, Hunter was crying. You know, Triple H was crying. Chris was crying. Chavo was crying. You know, everybody was crying. Vince was, like, the only one that, like, had to keep it together. And, you know, they did the tribute videos and stuff. And some of them wrestled. I don't think Chris wrestled that night. But um, they did, like, the, the... if you want to say a few words or whatever, and Chris's is just... It's so bad. Like, mm-hmm. just him just, you know, crying and crying. Barely
0: able to get his Oh, yeah. So he
1: couldn't even breathe. Like, he just could not breathe. And you feel so bad. Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, everybody was sad, but, man, like, I feel like Chris was probably more, more sad than Vicky was, you know, yeah. in a sense. Because, like, they were just inseparable. And you can see his pain on his face, you know, in the in when Vince was talking at the tribute, when he was saying his words goodbye on the TV, it was just that was such a sad day. It it really was. And Eddie's death created a chain reaction not only in Chris's life, but in the WWE, which, you know, we'll we'll bring up, but like it was a sad day. Like it was very much like at the time, like that was the only second real tribute they did to somebody other than Owen Hart. Um, who had mm-hmm. died in, in 90s. Which is like,
0: another one of Benoit's, like...
1: Yeah, yeah. And colonies. he had died, he died in 98. Um, 98? 98? Oh. Or 99,
0: I don't know. Late 90s. 90s. We'll say late 90s. Yeah,
1: 98 yeah. or 99, when he, when he fell... From the, Oh god that's a whole other story But like you know he fell fell To his death in the ring and
0: Oh he was televised his death wasn't it was uh, No so it was on a
1: pay per view It was on a pay per view And he basically had this superhero gimmick And he was supposed to come down On a zip line And like lower himself down um, Sting who was in WCW Did it all the time no problem uh, Sean did it at Wrestlemania 12 I mean it wasn't a crazy thing, but you know he—I uh, guess his cape, because he was a superhero. His cape, okay. I guess, messed with the the hook on the back, and he plummeted. And there's no footage. I I have scoured the earth trying to find we're just footage. Demented I, people. I wanna I wanna see it, but I've never seen it. Um, pretty much it happened for some reason on that night. They didn't want to show him coming to the ring, dropping down. That was for the crowd. And the cameras never caught it. They were doing an interview with with his opponent, the Godfather, uh, backstage. No, I'm sorry, that's a lie. They were doing a pre-recorded interview with Owen Hart as his superhero gimmick that was playing while he was coming down. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time the interview was over, um, they they cut over to JR and King, who were the uh, they were the commentary team, and JR was basically just like, "This isn't this isn't part of the show. Uh, there's been an accident, and they're working on him. and he died, you know. He died right there in the ring. He bled out, I think, internally right there in the ring, and you know that was that was bad, and that was a bad judgment call of WWE to keep the show. They 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 wrestled after. Oh yeah, there was a couple matches that went on after that. Um, Owen Hart, Oof. Owen Hart's best friend Jeff Jarrett, literally had to watch them cart him out on a stretcher. As he's probably either dead or dying, and then go out and wrestle. Like Jeff Jarrett was a fucking mess.
0: Imagine. Yeah,
1: Jeff Jarrett was a fucking mess. I mean, he was bawling like. And that show is on the network. (laughs) Wait, maybe it's not. I don't know. Uh, It's on Peacock now, but I don't know if it's on Peacock or not. But yeah, it's 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 pretty fucked. And um, he died. Yeah, and like they had to go on live TV and be like. You know, Owen Hart has died. And it's... It's it's not... Yeah, oh man. I don't even like Owen Hart, but even just thinking about it, it's not... It's not an easy thing. And that created another chain reaction of, of guys having to be more safe and lawsuits mm-hmm. and all these other things. Um, which, you know, when I talk about Vince and all his bullshit, I can bring that up. But... Um,
0: yeah, I mean, this is gonna
1: turn into a three-parter, bro. No, but yeah, like the tri- <laughs> the tribute show. Anyway, the the tribute show um, that was only the second time they did that. They did Raw's Owen, and then they did Eddie Guerrero's tribute, um, and it was it sucked. And they did something on SmackDown too. Batista went on like the SmackDown one. He was just as much as like a bawling, and you know everybody. I think was affected in their own way, but I think like I said, Chris was probably affected the most. Okay. And, which then caused major downward spirals,
0: you know. Oh, yeah. After this moment, he just, ripple effect spiraled. Mm-hmm. He was already in deep depression and addiction and paranoid as it was, and he just absolutely lost it. So you, you can actually tell by photos at this time, like after 20, 2005, you can just literally see a man that looks like he just got out of a, an actual war. Like he was in the military and war had taken a toll on him. Mm-hmm. That's how, like, deteriorated he looked. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say deteriorated, like, and weak looking, but, like, just broken looking. And Eddie's wife, Vicky, actually said she would find Benoit laying on Eddie's side of their bed, like, clutching his pillow and just sobbing. Yeah. And that hurts to even just hear. Like, that's how broken he was and and in the end Nancy actually ended up buying Benoit a journal so that he could write to Eddie in it which he did i want to say probably every day he he had to have written in that yeah
1: yeah he wrote open letters um to Eddie he started writing letters to Eddie i believe about a week or two after eddie died like he started pretty quickly because mm-hmm. um, that was like the only way he could really cope so yeah he did that yeah. he did that pretty much every day and he would talk about literally anything Everything like hey i ate this for breakfast like he would do stuff like that just because it was his way of coping
0: yeah he was experiencing bitter loneliness at the loss of his friend mm-hmm. um and most others in a circle like i had just mentioned uh, his father even spoke about his increasing paranoia at this time during a TV interview. Mm. Um, I think the interview was later, but
1: yeah,
0: at the time, like what he was experiencing at that time was increased paranoia. Um, in his letters to Eddie that he wrote, the only subjects that broke his paranoia um, were Nancy and Daniel. So even though he was really going through his own shit, his demeanor changed as soon as someone mentioned Nancy or D- Daniel. Um. Uh, his father said, "Quote: He would just light up. He loved that kid so much." Mm-hmm. End quote. And Daniel loved him in return. Like he idolized his father.
1: Yep. I so. was I was gonna say he. You you said he idolized his father. I was gonna say he idolized his kids. He, he, uh, he yeah. Yeah. yeah that's stuff. what that's what they said in that CNN doc. He idolized his kids. Like David, he had a daughter too. Um. But David, I didn't get
0: too much on his daughter just because, like, I, I saw David and. Dark Side of the Ring, and then, of course, yeah. Daniel was young, His
1: There isn't really much out about his daughter. The only thing I know about his daughter is she hated Nancy.
0: Oh. She
1: hated Nancy. Like, not. they, so they would go down for the summer or whatever, mm-hmm. and, like, David loved Nancy. It, it shows in the doc. It shows in yeah. all that. Uh, his daughter hated Nancy, would ignore her, would not talk to her, which created a mass tension, which that's didn't it. help things with Chris and Nancy. Um, but, yeah, she did not like Nancy. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I really... I didn't, didn't even know he had a daughter up until, like, probably this research. I didn't even know. I thought it was just him and David. Or oh, Daniel no. and David. But, yeah. Daughter, she's... Pretty much, there's no info on her. She distanced herself from, from Chris. From
0: the, yeah, all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I Well, when Daniel... Obviously, um, at this time, he would mimic his father's pre-match warm-up exercises, like, backstage. Mm-hmm. In his little suit and tie, his, like, attire. Yeah. Um... So even though the love was there, the Benoit's marriage still unfortunately collapsed further in the aftermath of Eddie's death. Because, like you said, tension between family things and his depression and his paranoia and
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, all of that just going on. And, and still trying to, I believe, wrestle through that, you know, his, continue his career, um, and a decline in his sobriety and psychological stability. On both Nancy and Chris's behalf. Yeah. Both of them are going through shit. Um, On May 9th, 2007, Nancy sent a text to Chris that said, quote, ignoring the problem or running away isn't going to help you face it. You need professional help and only if you're fully honest about all of it, end quote. And then later that same day, she wrote to Benoit saying that, it was obvious that he was abusing steroids, and that quote, we both know the WWE uh, testing wellness program is a joke, end quote. So.
1: Yeah. So a, t- a
0: couple years later, she's like still trying to say like, yeah, you need help. You're not getting any. It's not getting any better, and we need to do something about it. And you have, you, like, the only way that's going to work is if you help
1: yourself. Yeah. So. Um... That's, I mean, that was essentially what it was. And, I mean, Nancy was no better, though. Like, Nancy, it had come out that Nancy did plenty of pills. She drank plenty of alcohol. Oh,
0: yeah. You know,
1: so it wasn't... It was all
0: found... I'm pretty sure it was all found <laughs> in her system um, at, yeah. on the autopsies. Yeah.
1: So she's preaching to the choir with that one. But, yeah, like like where she said the, the wellness policy is a joke. Um, it was. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> so they... <sighs> I don't know if I want to I want to interject with it. So, in you're fine.
0: We're about to get into the murders finally, guys, I promise. Um, we're getting into the very heart of what you guys came here for, at least for this podcast. Unless less for some reason you like Brett and you like wrestling, then you're here for that too, I guess. But
1: <laughs> so so in 94, um, mm-hmm. 94 the steroid trial happened. Which was a big thing because, like, steroids at the time with sports was, like, really running rampant and, like... Not
0: just for wrestling. Oh, like for football, everything, yeah. Everything.
1: Baseball, all that. And the federal government was really on it about, like, getting... Nailing these people that were doing steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Vince was put on trial. Uh, you know, obviously he was acquitted um, thanks to a lot of different things that doesn't really need to be talked about here. But, you know, he... They, they implemented a very... <laughs> If you want to call it a, a, a drug test policy mm-hmm. uh, for steroids and drugs and whatnot. They ended up stopping it. I don't exactly know when they ended up stopping it. Vince claimed it was because of financial hardship. Which I can believe because okay. between 94 and 97, the company tanked. I mean, wrestling was not what, what it was.
0: With the, That was around the time that those hired... No names were
1: like... Yes, they all like... Hogan, Nash, Hall... Everybody went to WCW. Um, Again, a whole other thing for a whole other podcast. But like, WWE was tanking at the time, so I could imagine he cut the cost because the federal Mm -hmm. government laid off of him and he thought he could get away with it. And he did, up until Eddie died. And then when Eddie died the it, it made the rounds again because you're like, well, how did he die? Well, he had the enlarged heart. Well, how did he have the enlarged heart? Oh, because it's he steroids. took steroids. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here we go. And then they had to do the, the drug test policy again. And they hired um, they hired a guy from the NFL. And, you know, that was, that was part of that aftermath of Benoit. But, yeah, like they implemented that drug test policy. And up until he – Benoit was last tested in April – of 2007, and he passed. He passed with flying colors. Yep, yep. In April of 2007, two months before he did what he did. So... Right after Either he was using, you know, fake piss, or he was doing whatever, or it was, it was a joke, and he got around it somehow, or somebody let him go, because at that time, he was being prescribed 10 months worth of anabolic steroids mm-hmm. in three weeks at a time.
0: That was right before... I'm going to get into that, too. Yeah, so... Yeah, in the... Think actually in this next part here, um, so in the week prior to the murders, Nancy had actually mentioned to her friend Pam that she kept meticulous records of hmm. how Benoit had what was mistreating her at the time, mm-hmm. and it was in a safety deposit box in preparation for either like flight out of the situation or diver- divorce. Yeah. So Nancy made Pam promise that if anything happened to her, that she would inform the police that Benoit was responsible. However, when the police opened Nancy's safe deposit box, they only found photos showing physical abuse from before her relationship with Benoit. Oh. So that's what... At least that's according to... Uh,
1: the friend? of hell. Oh, okay.
0: So, again, I don't know about... I'm going to interject here for just a side note here. Reading some of that, yes, it's very informative, but, <laughs> dude... Th- Okay, is it just me, or is that the opinionated as fuck?
1: I haven't read that book since 2000, and I got it, and then I never read it, but, like...
0: Oh, great. You Thank know.
1: you. No, I mean, I got it recently and never read it. I <laughs> read it in high school, um, and, yeah, I mean, like like I think you had said previously, I I DM'd this guy on Twitter, and I was like, hey, I man... I Twitter, not an email. Yeah, it was Twitter, and I said, "Hey, man, like, like, how do we get your book? It's not anywhere. I can't get it in a Kindle version. I can't get it online. Uh, You know, I can't find it." And he's like, "Yeah, he's like, I pulled the copies. You know, I haven't really paid for distributing. He's like, I want to make you know adjustments. He's like, I feel like you know." I don't even know how old he was at the time when he wrote it, but he basically saying the age that he was that he wrote it was not really informative enough and he wasn't, he was pretty biased and he felt he wasn't mature enough to know about mental health and stuff like that. So before he ever re-releases it, he wants to make adjustments but he's obviously got other stuff going on, so it's not something that's on his mind. I'm really surprised he didn't do it when Dark side came out, because I feel like he could have sold a shit ton of copies. Oh, yeah, because
0: he was in Darkseid. Yeah. I mentioned that before.
1: So, I don't know why he didn't, but whatever. He was a super nice guy, um, and, you know. But, yeah, that book, I think, is very much his own opinion. There's multiple Benoit books, but that is the definitive Benoit book, I believe it or not. That's the one that probably has the most information. I've read a couple different ones, and that one probably has the best, at least, information on his backstory and what actually happened.
0: Yeah. Well, at least you know, uh, Matthew Randazzo V, who is the author that you're speaking of, mm-hmm. he at least is able to, you know, admit that and see, like, okay, you know, I do want to re-release it, but just a little bit better than what I had before, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. So, moving on to the, the murders and what actually happened. Yes. So, we're an hour in. Oh, okay. In 13 minutes, in oh. case you were wondering. No, I'm just it. <laughs> so, on Thursday, June 21st, Benoit called a friend to reserve a secluded spot on his property that so that the Benoit family could essentially have a nice secluded spot for them to watch fireworks and enjoy the July 4th festivities. Mm-hmm. So... This would have been down in Peachtree City, which is uh, where one of their homes was. And actually, I think it's the home that this happened. Yeah. Um. So on this that same day that he calls his friend to, you know, get all of that set up for the fourth, Nancy called one of her friends in a panic and said, quote, if anything happens to me, look at Chris, end quote. So I don't know. Chris is making plans. It doesn't seem, at least to me, like it is premeditated.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I mean cuz he's
0: making plans for after like after the 4th this happens on June 2nd to the 24th and he's making plans for you know a week later. Yeah. I, so but yeah. then Nancy's coming over here like dude, sure. I'm fucking freaking out like. Sure. So I don't I don't know if it was premeditated or if he was showing signs or yeah. anything. But to me, if he's making plans for the future, it doesn't seem that premeditated to me. Um, On Friday, like I said, this is when this all starts happening. Friday, June 22nd, Benoit visited the family doctor. This is where, like you had mentioned, he was prescribed a 10-month dosage of antibiotic steroid or anabolic steroid and painkillers for both Nancy and himself. After his doctor's appointment that day, neighbors recalled him barbecuing outside with Daniel on his side. That evening, in addition to her normal diet of alcohol and Lorsets, I believe it's called L-O-R-C-E-T-S, Lorsets?
1: Yeah, I know what you're talking Yeah, that's most likely what it is, but I know what you're talking about.
0: So Nancy had also consumed hydromorphine, mm-hmm. painkillers, and Xanax, um, anti-anxiety pills. Yeah. So we have no way of knowing whether she... I guess, did that of her own accord or maybe it was fed them or yeah. something. So I don't know if we really know how that got into her system, yeah. these other ones. Because the other ones were normal, this was not. Yeah. And at 9... Or, I'm sorry, back up. Benoit himself also had Xanax and Lorset in his system as well. Oh, okay. So, at 9.25 p.m., someone... The police assumed was Nancy called for information, um, or called information to ask for the phone number for the police department.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then a few minutes later, at nine thirty-two, and then again at nine thirty-three, she left two apparently normal messages on her neighbor's answering machine. Mm-hmm. Shortly hold on, shortly afterwards, Chris. Benoit duct taped her hands and feet in an upstairs family bedroom on the opposite side of the house from Daniel's room. Unable to move, Nancy was pinned to the floor with a knee in the middle of her back and strangled with a TV cable. When she feebly struggled to get free, Benoit most likely slammed her head into the floor and then he wrapped her in a towel and she was left there to decompose with a Bible at her side. According to some reports, Benoit went swimming the next day with Daniel while his wife's corpse rotted in the upstairs uh, upstairs family room. Though the precise time could not be determined sometime in the early, after, early morning or into the afternoon on Saturday, June 23rd, Benoit crept into his son's room, fed Daniel a Xanax, and suffocated him. Uh, Daniel's corpse Daniel's corpse also exhibited bruising around and across his face and one arm with no apparent harm done to his throat and judging by the distinctiveness of that wound pattern um, Benoit likely killed his own son using his wrestling finish uh his sorry Using his wrestling finish move, the Crippler Crossface, in a room covered with photos and posters of him performing that very move. Yep. Uh, And a Bible was also placed by his side, and Daniel at this time was only seven years old. Yep. So, insanely tragic, tragic, happened over two days. And then, finally, on Sunday. So, according to Benoit's search history... After this happened, uh, he conducted a search for information on, I guess, the Old Testament prophet Elijah Mm. um, that was found on his, you know, search history. Benoit then made arrangements for rescheduling his flight for the pay-per-view event that he had been scheduled that weekend for. Since this would make him late, he called Chavo um, and let him know, like, they normally met up and did what they normally do before events and he was just calling to let him know like hey um nancy and daniel have food poisoning is what his story was and i'm gonna be a little bit late i'm still gonna make the you know the booking but i'm probably gonna be late to to the event itself um he specifically said quote everything's fine i'll still make tonight's show end quote after that uh disoriented benoit wandered outside a neighbor actually spotted him, um, and they had, like, a very, quote, extremely odd, end quote, conversation about Nancy and Daniel's sickness, and I guess, you know, he mentioned it to the neighbor, mm-hmm. uh, apparently he was not crying or showing any sort of display of grief Yeah. at this time.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm sure he was, honestly, at this time, probably not even, like, fully comprehending and coping with what just happened. Yeah, I mean over that weekend.
1: No, depending on depending on how you look at his his mental state and where he was and what happened, which you know, when I give my theory, obviously I'll I'll, you know, see what happened, but he was either in a stant, you know, he was in a state where it's just he didn't know you know what the fuck was going on or you know, he was just just wasn't there. You it's know. hard to
0: say too, though. Or he, he just ha- didn't—he
1: just didn't care, and he just was that's just who he, he was, just sadistic, and he just didn't care that there was two rotting bodies in his in his home. He just didn't care.
0: I was gonna say he had to. The thing is that he wasn't enough sense to you know call Chavo, um, so that's one way you can look at it. And there's tons of theories and there's tons of opinions, I'm sure. Um, but it was definitely like very bizarre and tragic. Either way you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at three fifty three a.m. on Sunday, June twenty fourth, Chavo receives a text message. Text message says, "Quote: My physical address is. I'm not going to state it here because I don't know if that information people live there now. Yeah. So I'm just not going to mention that. You can look it up. They have the quotes. Um, but blank, 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 Green Meadow Lane." Uh, Fayetteville, Georgia 30215 followed by two minutes later another text message from him that said quote the dogs are in the enclosed pool area garage side doors open end quote so it was like a really bizarre message mm-hmm. really late or early whichever way you, know, you see it and I think he also got text messages from Nancy's phone with the address I believe if I remember correctly. Yes, correct. So, either way, he super did the same thing
1: on Nancy's phone, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that happens, and then at that point, um, after sending those text messages probably within minutes, uh, you're gonna have to give me a second because I didn't fucking write this shit down. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't compose notes for this part. Um, so, I mean... Or- so, okay, so... He received the text message, the the same message from Nancy's phone three more times, like, consecutively. Yeah. Now that he had sent those out and he was satisfied that someone would come to investigate at that point, Mm -hmm. uh, made it known where he was and where his family was going to be, he went down into his in-house gym with a half-empty bottle of wine, supposedly. Uh, He placed the wine down next to his pull-down weight machine. Mm Mm-hmm. He removed the weight machine's handlebar and sat down as if he were going to exercise. He wrapped a towel around his throat and then Benoit tied the weight machine's steel cord around the towel. Adjusted the weight to about 240 pounds and released the pressure. And... Yeah. Hung himself that way. And committed suicide. Um... Which is insane. Uh, I the next day I think how he was found was a na- There was a wellness check made um, because of course he never missed a fucking event. So, nope. and plus the weird text messages. You know I don't know if it was travel or somebody else. I think it was actually WWE if I remember correctly sent out the wellness check. Yeah. Like. Odd.
1: Yes, it was WWE at that time. You know they had, he had not shown up, and mm-hmm. I believe. Um, I believe. Johnny Ace, John Laurinaitis who was the head of talent relations came to Chavo and was like hey have you heard from him he's like well, I got these text messages he's like why didn't you tell us about this earlier and, and he's like,
0: like I, he said he was going to make it yeah, like I trust it yep. and so on
1: and he was like I was trying to cover for him and you know he was like you know here's the text and that was when they asked for a wellness check
0: hmm. um, the police went over the dogs were still outside the neighbor actually went over because she used to watch the dogs when they were away Um, So she went in, because the Jogs trusted him, or trusted her, and then she walked in, and she, I think, started screaming about Daniel being dead upstairs, and I think, yep, and so that was the first thing she saw, and the cops went in, and they obviously did their investigation, and it was tragic, and then there was the whole fucking mess of, because of him not showing up, they were trying to do, I guess... Was it the next day that they did that, their tribute on Chris without getting the full story? Or yeah. was that the same night?
1: Nope. So, um, Sunday he was supposed to appear at the pay-per-view and defeat Punk for the ECW title. Mm-hmm. Um, he obviously didn't show up, and I believe it ended up being um, another... Forfeit? Yeah, okay. it Was it? was another, no, It was another guy, and, and he... Okay. It, whatever. It doesn't matter. But the next night was... There was a story going on at the time where Vince McMahon, in story, had died. And this was a weird time for a a kid to be a wrestling fan, because two weeks prior, Vince... It was this weird thing, and it was like Vince McMahon Appreciation Night, and everybody shit all over him, (laughs) and he was just... You kind of felt bad for him because he was depressed. He goes out into the parking lot, his limo blows up.
0: Damn.
1: And it was... Like, I mean... They milked it. Like, it was very much like on wwe's website was like yeah so what they did was they said they always said mr mcmahon mr mcmahon it was never vince mcmahon mm-hmm. it said mr mcmahon has presumably died and like we thought it was fucking real i was like oh my god and then the next week like his family came out and was like yep like you know mr mcmahon's dead and like i don't you know i don't know what we're gonna do and they were gonna so ho- this was all a hoax this you was you have all of yes. this going on and then All of a
0: sudden, Chris is actually legitimately dead. Yes.
1: So, like, that night, that Monday night, uh, they were going to have Vince's funeral, and they were going to have this big thing, and it was a three-hour Raw, too, and it was, they didn't do three-hour Raws at the time, so this was a big thing. I remember I was at my grandfather's house, like, this was a big, like, oh like, we're going to watch Raw, like, Stone Cold was going to, like, it was this whole thing, and then, you know, 8 o'clock. eight o'clock comes on and instead of getting that raw intro and all this all you have is the black the black background and you have Chris's face and it says you know whatever his his birthday was in 2007 and it's like what the fuck just happened like what and then there's Vince standing there and Vince, I remember, it was just like, you like know... Like, all
0: of a sudden, he's not dead, yep. guy and the other guy's dead. And he
1: was like, you know, this capacity crowd was supposed to be filled with, you know, fans. For, and I think he explained about, like, the death of my character, you know, but this is real life. And he's like, Chris, Nancy, and Daniel have passed away. Um, and tonight, we're going to pay tribute, and you're going to see people talk about him. And they played his, like, documentary um, that he had had with a bunch of his matches. And it was three hours, too, which... Again, not me being, you know, again, I wasn't a Chris Benoit fan. I really didn't even care that... I mean, I cared, but, like, I wasn't beat up like I was with Eddie. So, like, three hours of watching Chris Benoit was just, like... And then, like... Especially
0: when you, as a kid, were, like, thinking something completely
1: different. Yep, and um, all these people came on, and they were, like, CM Punk was talking, and Triple H was talking. And everybody was just talking, like, you know, never met a nicer guy. Never, you know, consummate professional. One of the best friends I've ever had. Blah, blah. You know, just all these people complimenting him. And now granted,
0: I don't think much of that would have changed as far as like I mean, yes, three hours of that without knowing all the details, that's fucked up.
1: Yes. Yes. But
0: I even now, as he's passed there's I don't think I've really heard anything bad.
1: No, no. I mean him. I mean if you I'm not gonna read I'm not gonna read like all of them, but every single guy, like from Dean Malenko to Jim Cornette to, you know, uh Kurt Angle to John Cena, all these guys. He was a great wrestler. He was a consummate professional. He had great intensity. Um, you know, he if if he was he was hard to get to know, but once you got to know him, there was never a problem. He always had your back. You know, he was a great person. Um, you know,
0: he had, he about had that stiff front like he does in the ring, but then when you got to know him, you know,
1: and like you know Harry Smith, who is British Bulldogs. Um, son who teamed with Dynamite Kid they were good friends and he was like you know Chris would never miss a show he was always very professional he was a private person but you know he you know he still was a, you know he was still a very friendly person and he was calm you know what I mean so you know he had said that um, there was a couple other things and in that night with the the Raw there was a it was a smaller wrestler, like I guess I, I don't want to keep saying midget, but he was a short he was a short little guy. He was Hornswoggle, um, and he was there, and he tells the story of that night. Funny enough, this interview keeps getting deleted off of YouTube. Um, what interview? It's just like a shoot interview, just oh, and they, okay. just him talking about the the Chris Benoit thing, and he basically everybody was in suits, right? So everyone's in suits because Vince was dead, so mm-hmm. like everyone had to be in Already. suits for the yeah. funeral, and. Um, you know, they were gathering around the ring. Vince was like, "Hey, we're 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 meeting in the ring. Come on." And everyone met in the ring. Steve Stone Cold Steve Austin came up and he was like, "Everybody was like very quiet because um, they didn't know what was going on." And Steve shows up in the ring. He's like, "Well, you, what you would think somebody died?" And then Johnny Ace is like,
0: "Actually, yeah." Yeah,
1: Johnny Ace is like, "Don't, don't." And just- and Steve just shut up because Steve didn't know what was going on. So then Vince tells everybody. Um, and at the time, Vince had told the boys that someone broke in and killed them.
0: Honestly, that sounds, not, not that, but that sounds just like Stone Cold.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, somebody that, you know, and that's, and they right. had told, they had told everybody that someone broke in and killed them, and then they did the tribute show, and a lot of the guys left, they went back to the hotel, because they weren't wrestling, yeah. So they went back to the hotel, and as they were, like, the show was going on...
0: They are back at the hotel getting all the information. Yes,
1: like, they're on their phones, and they're on the news, and all this info's coming in. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the night, everyone knew what happened. But they couldn't just stop the show. Yeah. You that- know what I mean? So, like, they, they just, they let it go, and, and the next you day- know, nobody really noticed anything wrong with him. Like, that's what a lot of people said. At that time frame, no one noticed anything wrong with him. Um... Hornswoggle is like one of I think really at this point the only person that thinks that he was actually murdered like he thinks that they were killed um, he has
0: his own like theory on that <sighs> he's
1: an idiot but yeah like he... I don't
0: know because honestly I mean granted I don't think so I think as far as what was found um, in the autopsy and how it was done and what was placed there and all on yeah but I mean he there was I can't remember where I was going Because there was a point
1: that... I mean, there was substantial... There was evidence, like, the Bibles. Like, the Bibles being placed next to their bodies was a very religious thing. The big theory when I was a child was Kevin Sullivan killed them. That was the biggest... That was the big, you know, playground story. Kevin Sullivan, because he was demonic and because he was all these things. He went in, he killed them, he put it on Chris, he laid Bibles next to them, all this stuff. Um... Knowing the facts now as, a, as an adult that's, that's not the case and clearly it was Chris a lot of people said Nancy did it a lot of people said Nancy had killed Daniel uh, and then he killed Nancy and then he killed himself that was another theory um, I don't think that's a I, I, that's a plausible theory that's more plausible than Kevin, Kevin Sullivan him, yeah. coming in and killing them you know, and that's what you mean. Like, the reason he had those German shepherds was for protection. So who's... Yeah, getting- that's what I
0: was getting at. He was getting... Procu- that's... Sorry, going yeah. back. He was getting increasingly paranoid, and, yep. like, I don't understand why, whether it was just drugs, but, like, he had his driver, when he was picked up from the airport, go different ways on and this way, you know, from the airport to his house. Yep. To, to avoid whatever he thought was going on around him, and the dogs, and, sec- you know, uh, increased security, and all of that, so... It's weird that he had this paranoia about... I'm guessing someone watching him. Or th- thought that he might have died or something. Yep. And it's weird that, you know, Nancy... He's acting normal and making plans. And Nancy's the one calling and texting like... Oh my gosh, if I die, Chris did it. Just tell everyone Chris did it, you know? So it is weird as far as, like... If you're matching up other things and whatnot. But from what the investigation, you know, brought up... And what was found out...
1: And he... You know, Chris was doing, was doing. you know, like you said with the paranoia and stuff, and Chris, Chris didn't talk to a lot of people because of Eddie dying. And Chris yeah. it really became segregated. It, you know, he still had his people, and, like, one of the guys that he really talked to was um, Hardcore Holly. And Hardcore Holly has his own book, and he has a whole whole chapter dedicated to Benoit to talk about everything and, like... You know, he talked about how, again, great professionally he was. He, you know, Chris, Chris. if you could make Chris laugh, you really did something. Because, like, Chris wasn't really a laugher. Chris got enjoyment out of, like, pain. Not saying that he, and he says this, not saying that he was sadistic, but just, like, you know, he, he just found the misfortune of others hilarious you know sometimes
0: falling yeah
1: like like he just thought it was funny and I mean that's not okay but like you know that's not necessarily saying no but if my
0: friend falls I'm definitely laughing yeah
1: so you know and he he really respected you if you respected the business and and Mm -hmm. if you really wanted to learn he would take you under his wing and he would teach you and you know he would talk to Chris on the phone and, and you know he would say you know, you can, you can come hang out, you know, why didn't you, if, I believe right before that week that he did everything, you know, Holly was in town, and seeing a doctor or something, he was on an injury at the time, and he didn't show up, like, he didn't stop by, and Chris found out that he was in town, and he's like, why didn't you fucking stop, like, why didn't you come, and he's like, I don't want to bother you, you know, like, you're with your wife, he's like, don't fucking do that, he's like, the next time, he's like, you, you need to stop by, and he's like, alright, he's like, well, I'm still off for... You know, he's like I'm still off for a while, so I'll obviously he's like he's like, you better. He's like you know you're my best friend. He's like, you're one of my best friends. He's like you should have you should have come over. Mm-hmm. And he's like you better you know come over. He's like he was saying, um, he had to go right before this 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 day actually the day he he killed Nancy. He had to go to an she appointment. Second. Yes, and he had to go to appointment with Doctor Aston um, to talk to him, and then you know he he hardcore holly had asked like how everything is with nancy and he's like you know she's at he basically quote he said she's acting like hitler and um you know holly laughing he's like no really she's she's acting like hitler i have to get out of the house Mm -hmm. and then they talked a little bit more they hung up and you know he says it pretty blatantly in this book he's like i went about my day chris went home and killed his wife and then the next day he killed his son and then he killed himself and he says it pretty monthly like that, and that's fucked up to think. Mm-hmm. Like, he talked to Holly, had a great conversation, you know, everything seemed okay, and then he goes and he kills his wife. And Holly's thing is, Holly blames it not on brains, not on steroids, he blames it on alcohol. Oh. He, he what he thinks is i didn't read the full chapter cuz i didn't get to but and i'm not going to read 20 pages but <laughs> he basically thinks that something happened they all they both got drunk and something happened and you know he he obviously realized what he did and i think he realized that he didn't want you know daniel to grow up without a mom and his dad in jail so he killed him and then he killed himself that and you sure. know what i can take that as a theory because that's that's a pretty simple domestic dispute alcohol thing. So, you know, two people get drunk and something bad happens and then he kills her and then the remorse kicks in and he kills Daniel and then the Google searches that up to, like, how do you bring back a child? You know, he's, he's drunk off his ass probably yeah. on the wine and whatever else and whatever pills sure. he's taken. You know? So then he's going and he's Googling about Daniel and how to bring him back, and, and he's out of his fucking mind by this point. So it's like...
0: It's almost four in the morning, and he's just like,
1: I you can't know? do this anymore. And he, and that's, I it, don't want
0: to go on after this because I'm sure he's also thinking about his career now that he has done what he's... And all of that and mm-hmm. a bunch of things, plus all of the other things he's been thinking about for the last two years since Eddie died. And yep. it just... Yeah. It was... it was the end of him
1: at this point he probably realized by the time that Nancy had died and then Daniel's dead the two other people other than Eddie that was the most important things in his life are everyone's gone now Mm -hmm. everyone's gone so who's left nobody what why even you know that's especially
0: himself who couldn't bring himself out at this point two years later yes so he didn't he couldn't even get enough exactly for himself to continue on exactly um, but speaking of his uh, what was his name that you were just speaking of
1: hardcore Holly Holly's Holly yeah. um,
0: so Holly's theory there with the alcohol I'm going to jump into the medical study and, and you said he didn't think it was brains or really the drugs um, this is the medical side of what they found in his brain and why some theories are you know kind of go towards this theory um So a medical study showed that a history of frequent concussions, much like those in football players, um, has shown to lead a great risk of profound behavioral changes, including cognitive impairment and suicidal depression. So I'm not excusing what he did at all. I'm just stating the fact that in his brain, pretty sure someone described it as like was it a seven-year-old like like a like a young child, or was it like somebody with schizophrenia? Like, was it that his brain looked like?
1: Oh, it was dementia. dementia. He he had the he had the brain of an eighty-five-year-old Alzheimer's slash dementia patient, um, and of course that ended up becoming a big thing because. You know, Vince didn't want to admit, well, it wasn't steroids, but was it really his brain? You know, if he was an 85-year-old Alzheimer's dementia patient, how the fuck was he going and um, remembering things to do in the ring you know, because like when you're in the you ring, won't that. when you're in the ring, a lot of those guys have to either remember the the, the moves that they want to take with each other, or they call it on the fly in the ring, mm-hmm. and you have to remember how to do that stuff. How's he doing that? How's he getting to flights and, and booking flights? And like, if he had a For the, all
0: the way leading up
1: to this, oh yeah, and this isn't like oh it was just this, it's just this week that the... brain became that way. This was a while. How is he doing all of this? Mm-hmm. You know, so that was a big thing, and that is true, but at the same time. You know, maybe they worded it wrong saying that it was a dementia Alzheimer's patient. Yeah. I think they meant more along the lines of, like, confusion and not knowing what you're doing kind of thing. Not necessarily... But then Forgetting again... Forgetting everything. Exactly. And then again, you think about, though, like, okay, well, so do you mean just on that one weekend he forgot who he was and all this? Like, that's never happened before ever in the history of ever? Yeah. You know, it's like... That's why, after reading the research that I've done, you know... It's it's tough to say
0: mm-hmm.
1: what the cause was.
0: Yeah, and I'm not if it was you know due to his brain and, and so on. I'm not excusing what he did at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it was awful and it was tragic. Um, and most most times on this podcast, I will sit here and I will say 100 percent that so and so this murderer is an absolute monster and a fucking douchebag and a dickwad and I'm glad he's dead. This was something that should have never happened, and a, I think a lot of it was due to a, a, just a broken man, that had enough, and something happened. Whether it was the trigger of alcohol or the trigger of drugs or whatever it might have been, and it just, yep, he's literally snapped. Yep, and I think that's you know, horrible. It's it's, it's very horrible. It's very you know, unforgivable for... I feel bad for Nancy's family, and I feel bad for Daniel being so young and not even being able to fully experience life. He was and, a
1: seven-year-old. Yeah. You know, he was he was a seven-year-old, and, and a lot of the things that was discussed as to why he, he was so stressed and why they were... The, the, the rumors of the Fragile X Syndrome, which is essentially a form of Down Syndrome in a way, um, you know, he, he... That was the rumor of him having that, and that was a big strain... Because obviously, I mean that's anybody's gonna have a strain like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because he that's that's a lot. And it was suggested that the needle marks on Daniel's arms there was needle marks on Daniel's arms when they did his the autopsy, autopsy yeah. were uh, the result of growth hormone given to him because Benoit and his family had considered him undersized. He was very small. Um, you know, and Jericho I think, had stated that What's that?
0: Sorry. I didn't find that in my research. That's oh, awesome. okay.
1: Um, yeah, Jericho had stated, you know, that the that the symptoms had kind of fit him to a T, really, when mm. he was saying, like, yeah, like, that. now that you talk about it, that's Daniel. Um, mm. He later said that, like... Jericho's a fucking idiot. But he, you know, he had basically said, you know, we never would have known because, like, Benoit never would have talked about it, you know what I no, mean? No, yeah,
0: it was very... Grave, um,
1: like you and, said. and it turned out that, you know, Daniel... Daniel didn't have Fragile X, and I think a lot of people were just, as he said and and Chris Jericho said in his book, everybody was just kind of grasping at straws. There's gotta be something, like, come on, man. Like, It wasn't just because Chris Jericho, or because Crispin was a psychopath. Like, why did this happen? Was it because of Fragile X? Was it because he was drunk? Was it because he had the 85-year-old brain? You know, and and all in all it could be because he was just a fucking psycho, you know, And, and the alcohol brought it out of him, and he snapped. That's what it could be.
0: And it, there's a lot of cases in that case Where we don't get answers And it's frustrating to everybody But it happens, unfortunately
1: There was a suicide note that was written That's never been released um, His dad has it I want him to release it so bad I want him to release the diary I want to see this shit because, You the
0: letters to Yes, Betty.
1: I want to read this stuff Because you know what, I guarantee And that's Look, you know, your, your kid died I get it. You're you're gonna be very protective of your of your child. I think there's stuff in that diary that would tell a lot. Mm-hmm. I bet you there's a lot of things that would open up. But it's not, you know, that diary. You know where that diary was? It was in the trash. The neighbor found the diary.
0: Oh, I would have
1: just it was, ran with that. Yep, it was in the I trash. I
0: would have taken that. No one would have known. It, it was in the my trash. Thing
1: and it, it. I don't know if that's because Chris put it there or because someone else put it there. But it was in the I trash. Was
0: assume probably Chris probably
1: and you know it, it the neighbor found it and then he they gave it to the police and then obviously turned it over to, to Michael Benoit his dad but like that that diary and that suicide note probably tells a lot
0: I feel like the suicide note probably the I feel like if the police turned it over to his father whatever was in there would have been probably released well I don't know I don't know how all of that goes. A lot of stuff, you know, in media is covered up or, you know, pushed under. So, even if there was stuff in the letters to Eddie in that diary, they could have pushed, like, given it to his Mm -hmm. father and pushed it under. Yep. But, so, finishing up the case here. So, there was a lot of controversy controversy when that happened, obviously. Um, The tribute, that was a whole thing. Um, And in the years following the incident, um, it continued to be referred to in the media, um, in October of 2009, uh, there was a book published called "Nancy, An- Chris and Nancy, the True Story of the Benoit Murder-Suicide. Mm-hmm. Didn't get a chance to look at that, but I'll probably read it at some point. Um, then in... This was... This part, when I read this, pissed me the fuck off. So, in January of 2012, Hustler Magazine argued in argued in a federal appeals court that its decision to publish nude photos of Nancy months after she was killed by Chris was protected by the First Amendment because she was a newsworthy figure. So this woman dies mm-hmm. tragically. Yeah. In a murder suicide.
1: Yeah.
0: And you fucking release her nudes for financial gain.
1: That's crazy. I did not know Fucking pieces that. of shit. Yeah, for sure. I did not that's know That's
0: fucked up as hell.
1: Yeah, that's wrong.
0: Like, that That pissed me off. That was one of, like, other than the actual case itself kind of being frustrating, that pissed me off to no end because you're taking this victim and she's not even here to defend herself anymore. Yeah, for sure. And so I guess uh, in that case, the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals uh, ruled in 2009 That a noctorious death does not give publishers a blank check to publish any images they wish. Uh, The case went to trial and a jury in June 2011 found Hustler Magazine liable for $19.6 million (laughs) in uh, punitive damage
1: for running the photos.
0: Fucking idiots. Fucking idiots. Good, I'm glad. Because that's, like I said, fucking pissed me off. Um, so one other, a few other things I wanted to mention because I love my fun facts on cases like this and what happens in media following them. So on April 14th, 2012, same year, the Huffington Post interviewed Our Lady Peace, which is the, yeah, yeah it, whatever. Uh, yeah,
1: they're the band that, the band, they're that, band that made his theme that he had for, um, Ever. Yes. Pretty much. yes. So
0: uh, that song, whatever, by Our Lady Peace, was his.
1: Can was still it? find that song on Spotify, by the way. You
0: can, uh, or on Instagram because I used that in our post. Yes. On the on the on the post on the Instagram story. So, in the interview that was done for the Huffington Post, the group discusses the fact that they have retired the song, whatever that mm-hmm. he used. Um, And was confirmed that the song has been retired from the band's catalog. And like I said, that was his entrance theme in WWE. Yes. So, fun fact. Not only... Oh, we didn't even cover the fact real quick. They fucking erased his name after this. We didn't even mention (laughs) it. I was just waiting for you to
1: finish, that's all.
0: He... Yeah. After this... So this was like right after. Yeah. This is a few years after. But right after um, all of this happened, they erased his name from wwe it was never said again he had the following after the tribute the following day and they released something like hey we didn't have all the information we fucked up etc and then it was never he was never mentioned again point blank period when you go on he's shown brett here has shown me when he goes on um like you look up the case or i'm sorry you look up his wrestlemania 20 it just says Triple H and Shawn Michaels, or something happened. Like it, yeah. it doesn't just say basically says
1: Triple H defends his title in the main event of WrestleMania. It go. doesn't mention anything um, about about Chris. And essentially, you know, uh, Hornswoggle had said like nobody actually said you can never talk about Chris again. It was just known. Like it was just mm-hmm. like don't use your fucking brain, you know. And and um, Vince came out. Uh, Vince came out. Well, he didn't come out. It was a video message that played before the the, the next night on ECW on Tuesday. And he's like, other than my, my mention tonight, uh, no name, you know, mention, no mention of Mr. Benoit's name will ever be mentioned um, on this pod. They didn't say ever. He just said, you know, it won't be mentioned on this program. Um, and we're, you know, this is dedicated to the to the families and friends that are grieving over this, and we want to move forward. And that was it, and yeah, he was completely scrubbed. I mean, he's, a, he's on the history books as far as like title reigns and things like that, but you will never... It's on Peacock, but you'd never go on WWE.com and see a picture of him or see a video of him or, or anything. The, over the years, um, like on DVD releases and stuff like that, if he had to be in there, great. Um, they would remove people mentioning him on commentary like there would be Mm -hmm. small patches of silence in the commentary because they'd be talking about benoit but they took it out um you know he would he would be not mentioned in that you know nowadays like randy orton won his first world title from chris benoit and it's really disappointing because they can't really talk about that match they do just mention you know he won the title at SummerSlam before you would never see him even like pinning Benoit you'll see that now you'll see him pinning Benoit you won't see Benoit's face but you'll know you know it's Benoit it's and just blurred out right no it's just like oh, they have an they, angle uh, yeah uh, it's right. an angle enough where you don't see his face um and that's uh, people are like oh my god like he's mentioning Benoit or they're, they're showing Benoit that must mean it's he's you know he's going in the hall of fame soon it's, they're getting over it it's like no it's like you know it's been 15 years you know, he, they're still never going to mention him. They're still never going to talk about him. But, yeah, he does not um, exist. He just doesn't.
0: Which, I mean, in his case, real quick, that was his art. That's what he loved. And him, that knowing that that's what happened afterwards, there's no way he would have not committed suicide at some point. So that. even, you know what I mean?
1: So here's the deal. I mean... Chris Benoit will never go in the Hall of Fame. He will never go in any Hall of Fame, any sports Hall of Fame. Nothing. Um, you know, and I'm gonna say this, and this is very insensitive of me, but his son's a fucking idiot. Uh, his son David. seems yes, and his son seems to think that he's going to go and use Chris Benoit's name and use Our Lady Peace's music and have the same tights as his dad and all these things. And Brett
0: really hates.
1: I don't hate him, I just think it's, you know, I understand it's your dad. I totally get that. But your dad's a murderer, your dad's a piece of shit, and for you to want to actually use Chris Benoit Jr. as your ring name, you're basically insulting Nancy and your and your little brother is what you're doing. And, you know, he should never, he'll never be in the Hall of Fame. You know, and here's the thing, you can't completely wipe him. You don't see people wiping yeah. O.J. Simpson. Yeah. For, ESPN does documentaries all the time, and, and O.J.'s and all that. Granted, O.J. was found... Uh, not guilty, but if you use your fucking brain you know he killed them, so like, they still show him though, you know, you can't erase him completely, but he'll never be in the Hall of Fame, because at the end of the day imagine this, imagine January rolls around, that's usually when they announce the Hall of Fame, and they say, 2023 Hall of Fame inductee headliner, Chris Benoit do you understand do you understand the media fucking shitstorm that would ensue over over this. All that it would be grudging up. 16 years after the fact, uh, WWE is inducting Murderer Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. or Murderer Crispin Wine into the Hall of Fame. And all it would be, it would net nothing. It would, wouldn't
0: be about his career. It would be wouldn't about be about, about him winning
1: the world title. It wouldn't be mm-hmm. about him in the Radicals. It wouldn't be about him uh, you know, wrestling as the Pegasus kid. None of that. It would be about him killing Nancy and Daniel. And that's all. And it's disappointing, because even Nancy can't go in the Hall of Fame. Because Nancy, yeah. you know, she was, as you talked previously, she in her own right was her own legendary uh, valet. As woman. And, and as woman. And she can't even go in the Hall of Fame, because again, it will just be the same thing. I mean, maybe not to the same degree, but it's still, the, you know, and wrestling fans um, are very toxic. Like any other fan base, like Star Wars and, <laughs> and Marvel. Fuck fan Yeah, like it's, we... <laughs> You know, they're very passionate. And all they're going to do is they're going to bring up Chris if Nancy gets inducted. That's all it's going to be. And vice versa. And vice versa. So it's... That will never happen. And anyone that thinks that he should be on the Hall of Fame or thinks that he didn't do it or, or anything like that should really just... You should stop eating glue for dinner. Because that's clearly what you're doing and you're delusional. And I I feel just bad Just do for your you.
0: research.
1: D- it it's really not hard. Use it. your brain. Because whether he did it because of his brain damage, which... Again, like you said, they blamed on like, you know, his dad blamed it on chair shots to the head and this and that. And, you know, Mick Foley, Mick Foley is a prime example of this. Mick Foley, watch a match, Royal Rumble 1999, I Quit Match between Mick Foley and The Rock. And the 19, I don't know, 10 to 19 chair shots to the head, unprotected, that Mick Foley took in that match probably took years off of his life huh. guess what his kids are thriving and living and his wife is happy as could be his kids ain't dead okay. so don't give me that because you know what yeah it might have been it might have been some some head damage in there and it might have been some CTE but I think at the end of the day it was, it was a mix of alcohol it was a mix of drugs it was a mix of a little bit of roids uh, but it wasn't a roid rage
0: I think it was a combination it was a combination
1: a of, of a lot of things. That made him do what he did. And, you know, WWE is still paying for it to this day, as you said with the aftermath. Like, there are no more chair shots. In, in WWE, anyway. There's yeah. there's no more chair shots in WWE. There's no more blood unless it's severely, severely, you know, uh, done the hard way, as they say. Where it's like you get hit by something and you bleed whether you want to or not. There is no planned bleeding anymore, as they say. Um... There's no more chair shots to the head. Uh, There's no more, you know, racy things on TV. WWE, right after this, went full PG. There's no, you know, and that's where the... Chris, for the business that he loved and the business that he, you know, supported, he nearly destroyed it. He nearly killed it. And... It, it, in this day and age, if you if you look at it from a certain perspective, he did kill it because a lot of that blood, and, and we don't need chair shots. No one's saying that. You know, mm-hmm. blood blood is, is is okay as long as it's in a controlled environment, I feel, because blood does bring emotion to matches if you're really mm-hmm. watching wrestling. But, like, the fact that we, you know, we got PG and we got the Muppets being on TV and shit like that now. like That's a thing. The, yes, that is a thing. Like, we are very much, WWE is very much geared towards, not children, but, like, they try to you mix it in audience. there, but it's it's PG. Yeah. You know, you don't see you don't see Braun Panties matches on TV anymore, which is that's Songs. that was the ra- that was the racy stuff. Yeah. But you don't hear them just cussing on TV anymore and, and things like that. Yeah. You know? And he really changed the business with this. Yeah. And um, you know, in two thousand seven it had it came out about you said about like steroids and stuff. Mm-hmm. There was ten wrestlers that were suspended uh, due to steroid use after Benoit died. So Benoit was the first one that was found, you know, and yeah. he had received a certain bit amount, um, and he received it in February of 2006. Uh, two weeks prior to Eddie's death, Eddie had been receiving steroids. Um, Chavo Guerrero... You know, who we spoke about, he was receiving steroids. Um, Shane Helms, who was the hurricane in WWE, he received steroids. Randy Orton was receiving steroids. Um, I'm just naming off maybe big names. You know, yeah. Umaga, uh, William Regal, Edge. Like, all these guys that were name, you know. these big were, names. Big names were receiving steroids, and they were all suspended. Because WWE didn't have a choice. The yeah. media backfire on Benoit's death was something that was, like, it was catastrophic for Vince. It was really bad. Like, CNN, I mean, you know, Larry King was doing things, and John Cena was on there, and Bret Hart was on there, and, you know, um, there was just so many things. And everybody, of course, was taking the stance that it wasn't steroids. Um, You know, Vince... Vince was asked the question. He's like, "Do you like big? You know, the bigger guys." And Vince is like, "Well, if you look at my roster, um, you know, a lot of guys aren't that big." And like Jericho was like, "You know, Jericho. Jericho's not that big." But it's like, you know, if you look at the history though, Batista, John mm-hmm. Cena, Hulk Hogan, Triple H, like those guys are Muscle-y huge. They're massive. Ass-back. If you follow, if you follow Triple H's career, he went from being built in the '90s, like the the late '90s, he was fucking huge. 2005 got fat, got fat. You know why? Because he had not stop taking steroids. Mm-hmm. So he got fat because he was like, a lot of that was he. And then in about 2007, he was built again. He lost all this weight, but he was skinny. He wasn't doing steroids. That was the work. He was putting he was in putting the, work. the work. But you could tell in like 03 and 04, oh, Hunter was like, he was on the juice bad. Like he was, it was bad. And Cena, Cena said a quote to CNN. He's like, um, He's like, I can't say I haven't, but you'll never prove that I did. Like, and that's saying something. John Cena, the face of the company. Basically, and him saying, like, you can't, I, haven't, I can't say I haven't, but you'll never prove I did. He did. Everyone knows he did. Yeah. He, the rumor came out about him is he was taking steroids to help his arms heal faster because he had injuries, and that's what a lot of guys would say. They would have a prescription and be like, oh, well, I got this from my doctor, and that mm-hmm. was that was a big flaw with the drug policy because they were saying, you um, well, I know, I, I can take these because I have a doctor's note. You Me know? all the
0: time because my lungs suck. Go on.
1: Yeah, so, like, <laughs> they they that was their excuse that is no longer a thing now i mean roids really aren't as what it were back then like if you look on tv now you got guys like seth rollins and and ray mysterio still on there and cody rhodes and like all these guys they are very very slim in stature <laughs> so like the Royds thing really isn't what it was I'm sure it still exists to this day. And luckily now, like, drug use is not as big as it used to be. A lot of guys are smoking weed. A lot of guys are, you know, drinking's still a thing. But I think the environment now is a lot safer than it was 15 gotcha. years ago. You know? And it's it's a shame that this happened. But at the same time, this this caused a lot of I changes. I it to
0: happen as far as, like, something dramatic. Maybe not this... Yes, but but second.
1: I think this changed the business, I think, for the health of the wrestlers, for the better. Because the health of the Absolutely. wrestlers, you know, they, they needed healthier environments. And I think him doing what he did, I think that did help in the long run for them. But as far as the business goes, for the business that he loved so dearly, he almost killed it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and um, this also, because of the brain damage and things that they have found... With his autopsy and going over his brain, a lot of other guys you had told me they are giving up their brain. Yep. For uh, research and. I think
1: uh, I think Kevin Nash is edges. Is, uh, I don't know exactly, but uh, yeah, a lot of the bigger name guys they're going to be giving up their brains to McFoley is for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I'm I'm so scared to see like what his brain's going to look like because it's going to be so bad, but. Um, you know, and to WWE's credit, they offer rehab uh, for any That's former... Great. Yes, they offer alcohol and drug rehab for any former employee. Uh, a wrestler named John Moxley, who recently left WWE a couple of years ago, he needed rehab recently, and WWE paid for the whole thing.
0: You know what they should do? that. Hmm. The fucking military.
1: Oh, no, for sure.
0: Just for, going off into that real quick. For sure, yeah. I feel like a lot of places should offer that. Exactly. Like, if you know that this job is, is that... Yep. So it to take such a toll on physical and mental abuse and, and drug it, abuse and so on. Like,
1: WWE should, should also do. I think I don't know if they do. They do do things with the drug test policy that monitors like your heart and stuff, um, and they do that and that's saved a couple people actually because a, a lot of a lot of the older wrestlers that want to come back out of retirement some of them couldn't because they couldn't pass WWE's physical because their heart couldn't take it and they mm-hmm. didn't they didn't want to risk. You know anyone's life in the ring. Um, I think WWE should also do psych evaluations with oh, their drug yeah. testing. I think if, if you get a concussion, like their concussion testing protocol is very serious. Like the, they, if they even seen a hint of a concussion, uh, they will they will kick you off the road. Quickly, The problem is with WWE is they don't like to say those words. They don't like to say concussion. They'll call it a brain injury or, Mm -hmm. like, something. Because they're afraid to say those words because the media will scrutinize them, which is fair. But, you know, Vince, Vince, to his credit, has done things as far as, like, trying to help, like, with the rehab and things like that. Um, But at the same time, you know, it's... It's tough, because professional wrestlers are 20 times more likely to die than professional football players. That was the findings, you know, and that's tragic. And people say it's fake, mm-hmm. and people will say, well, it's not, it's scripted, it is scripted. But let me tell you something, when you're when you're Mick Foley and you're being thrown off of a 20-foot cage into a fucking table, that's not fake. Like, you can't. he can't walk right anymore. Because of that, he can't walk right anymore.
0: Yeah, you can see uh, through... Benoit, and everyone else, and and the Dynamite Kid, who, again, lost his yes. legs, and all of that, like, they're, you can say that it's scripted as far as the drama, like, the dramatized things, but to say that through extensive research and what you see through their lifespan as wrestlers, like, shit's not fake.
1: You know, and with not to ponder off, but you know WWE has a great lawyer named Jerry McDevitt who is an absolute fucking monster as far as like he he has gotten Vince out of so much shit. He got him out of the steroid trial. Uh, Vince right now is currently under investigation for other things that I'm sure Jerry is going to pull his ass out of. Uh, Jerry, you know, Jerry went on CNN and he you know he disputed the the findings of the the mental stuff and basically I think WWE just paired it up of is like you know, secretly Chris Benoit was a psychopath and no one knew, and, and, and he just snapped one night. And, you know, that um, could very, very well be the case. Uh, you know, you never know. He was very
0: know. private, you, you never know, but...
1: you know That was what they were... Because they didn't want to admit steroids because yeah. then they would look bad. They didn't want to admit uh, brain damage because they, they, they would look, look bad. bad. So they had to basically just pin Chris as being an absolute monster, which is fair. And a lot of the guys, will, they will say, you know, uh, they... Uh, they separate the two. They separate the guy that was there, you know, on June 22nd, and then they separate the guy that they knew for 15 years. It's, you can't really do that. It's the same guy. It doesn't matter what you say. It's the same man. The same man that you loved, and Chris Jericho said, if I needed to leave my kids with somebody, I would leave them with Benoit. Well, you know, that same guy that you were going to leave your kids with, thank God you didn't do it that weekend because they'd be dead too. You're like, you have to think of it that way, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's cold, and it's not okay, but It's facts. And you know, fifteen years later, uh, Doctor Aston, the guy that ended up becoming getting arrested for prescribing that medication to Benoit and things like that, he actually just died about four or five days before the fifteenth anniversary.
0: Oh fuck! That's same week we were doing our research. Yes,
1: he died. Um, he died, and and it was very eerie that he had died. Um, Why? It's weird. Fifteen years before oh. the before you know for the anniversary. Really? You know, a, th- a lot of things surrounded that. There was a there was a Wikipedia article uh, that Nancy... You know, how you said that he had reported in that they had food poisoning and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, a Wikipedia article was created Sunday night saying that Nancy had died. And it was... Because Wikipedia, you can edit... Well,
0: those, yeah, people can go yeah. on there and...
1: Well, someone edited happened. it and said that she had died. And then said that Daniel died.
0: Sunday before... Yeah, like the
1: Sunday that he... He was. He hadn't killed himself yet, because he killed himself um,
0: that Sunday at like three.
1: Yeah. So he hadn't killed himself yet, but somebody and they traced the IP address back to Stamford, Connecticut, the headquarter city of WWE. And they yes, they did their the cops the cops did their investigation. It was just a fucking weird coincidence.
0: That's a little sus. It was.
1: Basically, the, the kid, I'm or sure the guy or a- kid admitted like, hey, like I heard it, you know, we saw the rumors online and I jumped the gun and I changed it and that was it and it was just yeah. a weird fucking coincidence yeah. and there was weird things like that that, you know, that came out and um, obviously, you know, uh, Nancy and Daniel had their own funeral and Chris had a very private funeral. No one came. There wasn't like wrestlers that showed up or nothing. It was it was a very private funeral and he was cremated and you know, whether his ashes were spread somewhere or his dad has them is is unknown. But the one thing that David said, you know, they asked him, his son, they asked him like did anyone from WW reach out and he's like, Nobody.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember him Vin- saying that. Vince
1: didn't reach out. You know, when, when Eddie died, oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Vince had a guy. Vince had workers at Vicky's house getting her groceries, doing her laundry. Oh, it was insane. When Chris died, nothing. It was nobody, no one heard from WWE. And that's cold. And it's not, it's not fair. Um, it, it and I will say, and they don't want to mention this, of course, but, like, it's not like David's been banned from WWE events. He's been at plenty of WWE events backstage. Mm-hmm. He's hung out with the boys backstage. He hangs out at AEW now with Chris Jericho is because he loves Chris Jericho. And Chris they have is, a good relationship. Yes, and Chris has really taken him, you know, under his, his paternal wing. But, um, yeah, they didn't really fuck with him. And, and, like I said, what can you do, though? You know, what can you do with a guy that killed his family? You can't, you can't do tributes. You can't, oh, hey, you know, sorry, you, you want to come to TV? Like, what are you yeah. going to do? It's, you can only do so much. And it was a very horrible tragedy. Um, and that it will probably never be forgotten. And, you Cause know. Because
0: here I am bringing it up 15 years later. Yep.
1: And, and, you know, we will still talk about it 20, 25 years later as one of those things that, like, could have very easily been avoided. Mm-hmm. You know, th- the fact that So many wrestlers die before the age of 50. I mean, you know, it's just... It sucks, but it is what it is. And, you know, I think wrestling is maybe better for it now as far as the safety and health of the wrestlers. Yeah, the content sucks, but, you know, all in all, I think a lot of guys are are a lot safer and drug-free and, you know, they're doing okay. And I think that's the most important thing to protect... WWE or not protect WWE protect the wrestlers from ever having to deal with CTE trauma and anything like that again because it's we would never want something like this to ever happen again
0: no and I completely agree I'm glad that in hindsight um all of this was changed for the better uh because of what happened and I hope we never have to Mm-hmm. something
1: like this again in in if you look at the findings now before 2007 um, 64 wrestlers died before the age of 50 by 2007 if you look at the the statistics now between 2000 by, between 15 years I guarantee it's maybe under 15 I don't think it's that many it's a few there's a few in there but nothing nothing of that sort it's severely decreased since then Um You know, it's the drug use is still rampant. I mean, Jesus, Jeff Hardy is getting a DUI every other week because he's he's drinking and doing drugs and and you know things like that. But I think we're we're better off now than we ever were before, and that's like I said, that's the most important thing Mm -hmm. um, because. At the no, end of the day, you can't
0: change what happened at this point. No, I, you you, you can't, can just move better and move forward. And
1: we'll never know what happened in that house. We will never know unless we read, unless there's something in that diary or there's something in that note. We will never know what happened in that house and we just have to to move on and and do better. Yep, that's it. At this point, which
0: I think they're working forward, which is good. So, that was the horrible tragic case Of Chris Benoit,
1: with about forty different (laughs) side swipes of wrestling knowledge that nobody needed,
0: (laughs) which is fine. We always go on our tangents, so we wanted to keep it very serious too. So I kept the jokes to a minimum. It was an intense case and lots of information that we wanted to get through. And I'm glad that he could Brett could be here and enforce all this non knowledge upon us.
1: Yes, I, (laughs) I appreciate you. Having me, you know, I've watched like two days of, like I said, I watched those documentaries. If if anybody does want to watch about the documentaries, you can really just Google Chris Benoit on Google. Or, no, I'm sorry, not Google, YouTube. And those documentaries from CNN will pop up. A lot of quotes will pop up from different guys. Um, I'll put,
0: I'll link some in the show notes. Yeah,
1: there's a whole bunch of stuff. The Dark Side of the Rain thing, I think, is the best produced one, obviously. But there's so much knowledge that you can get from, from YouTube. There's stuff on there and it's you know anyone that watched wrestling around that time they remember this and it's very shocking mm-hmm. um but it's it's something like I said was very tragic and it changed wrestling forever and hopefully we never have to see you know unfortunate tragedy like that again and you've seen it like Aaron Hernandez and like guys like that and that's and that's all linked and everybody brings that up you know and that's why mm-hmm. Chris still gets brought up to this day because when there's a CTE case he's a prime example yep um but yeah it's all all, you can you can find a lot of information on him and like you said that book the ring of hell book it's a really great book i think as far as information but you can get that other book the the chris and nancy book is on there there's another book called benoit um they were gonna make a movie about him uh who i can't remember his name but my god he looks just like chris um but of course chris's family shut it down i really wanted to see that 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 movie it huh. was gonna be based off of that off the ring of hell book um that never happened unfortunately but you know never seen understandable yeah yeah and that's it's fine but yeah um 15 years later you know wrestling is still as dangerous and, and what not as it could be but luckily I think everybody is a lot safer and I think everybody is a lot more healthier and and you know Chris did what he did he he was a great wrestler he was a fantastic performer. One of you know, one of the best back then. Not my fave, but a lot of people I knew was his was their fave. But you know, he can rot in fucking hell for what he did. As far as I'm concerned, um, a quick a quick quote I want to say: There was a wrestler who was. Um, His name was New Jack. He has passed away. But he was a good friend of Nancy. He Mm -hmm. is a very outlandish person. And he basically said he doesn't care what, you know, she might have done. Nothing justifies what Chris Mm -hmm. did. You know, he said, fuck steroids. You know, Nancy and Daniel did not deserve that. Chris is a coward 100%. Um I'm not even going to say because it, it's, it's a very jokey thing. But basically, he says, like, you know, I took chair shots of head all the time and all my kids are living. Yeah. So he basically said, you know, he's the one guy. Everyone else will say, you know, it's a shame of what he did, but he was such a great person. And he literally said, you know, straight up, like, fuck you if you say something like that. If you say, oh, well, he was a great person. No, fuck that. What he did overshadows yep. anything he ever did as a great person. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. He took the lives of a young woman and a seven-year-old child. And that will never be okay. Mm-mm. Ever. You know? And that will never be okay. And he, he... Motherfucker, whatever Bibles you want to leave, you know, I'm not a religious person, but, like, whatever, whatever Bibles you want to leave, it ain't going to help you get with your family. Because hmm. your family, whatever there is, your family ain't with you. You're on your own. Plain and simple. And that's... That is that for him. But, again, thank you for for having me on here and and talking about this because this was really... It's been a really interesting thing over the years and something that's really stuck out for, I think, every wrestling fan's mind. And anyone that's known about murder and stuff, Mm -hmm. it's always been brought up. So it's definitely, like... It's very well-known, and it's, like you said, it's very tragic.
0: Yeah, definitely tragic. And, uh, I mean, overall interesting case as far as, like, the Mm -hmm. lead-up to it. So think we'll leave it there. I don't know what my next case is going to be. It's just going to be a surprise for you, gang. Um, Because this took a lot out of me. I feel like Brett did a lot of fucking research on his own. Um, I did for the first week, and then I got my new car, a bunch of shit going on, and I finally did my research today and got it all ready for you guys. So I'm glad we could finally finish it up. Um, I... Not even going to go through the spiel because it's been too late and we're ready to wrap this up, but you can follow us on Instagram at The Dreadful Diaries. You can go on our Facebook, send us a message, let us know all your interesting wrestling facts at Facebook.com slash The Dreadful Diaries, and you know the Gmail, you can listen to the other ones, you got all the information. Um love by. Say it. What? You gotta say love by.
1: I'm not saying it. Saying that. it. Love by? Alright.
0: you question mark. Yeah.
1: Love by question mark? <laughs>